Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. The thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is Dungeons and Dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis Ohanian. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to Rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about Rain's advice to play D&D with your kids. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. Today, we have a guest, Lauren Malici, who we've been following each other on social media for a while. I follow you on TikTok now, too. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm so excited you're here. This movie is so much better than Party Mom, which I'm still like emotionally recovering from how bad it was. Dying to Be You. It's a 2020 joint. It just came out not that long ago. And this was a great watch i really enjoyed it i've watched it like three times by now Mm -hmm. and um i'm excited to go into it with you today it's about childhood pen pals yeah i saw that the original movie title was poison pen pal yes i see that okay yeah i'm on the imdb now poison pen pal not as exciting as you would think in terms of a title yeah, dying to be you is is more fun. It really sets the whole premise. Whereas poison pen pal doesn't really give me much. Yeah, it's like poison pen. A is it like a is this a pun or like a play on words in some way? I you know I don't know. Like it it's it's just it's just it's just really clunky. Also, like I don't know if that's like an official when you so when you Google it. Um, and it comes up under the original name. There's this really like kind of like crappy poster that comes up that looks like someone made it on their phone. Yeah. And it just, oh, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't do it for me. So this movie was directed by Danny J. Boyle, who I'm not sure we've done any of his movies on here. And then it was written by Lisa DeTrolio. I think her last name was. And she, um, Again, she's like sort of she's sort of a newer writer, same as um, I mean, I don't think Danny J. Boyle is like a new director, but it's not like really prolific lifetime stuff. And I think that that's great because there was sort of a rough stage around like 2017, 2018, where it felt like they were just using the same writers over and over again. Um, there were some really great performances in this, too. Natalie Dreyfus plays Molly. And this is another example of like when someone else has my name, but they feel like a totally different person. Do you ever feel that way with other Laurens where it's like 
Some yeah. Laurens, it feels like they're stealing your name, but then other Laurens, you're like, oh no, that's your name. It just also happens to be mine, but it feels different when I say it to you. Yes. And it's always like a blonde cheerleader type in films. Yes. And I, I, you know, Natalie Dreyfus really owns the name. I will say that. Like it felt, it felt very different. She is the villain in this character, you know, I mean, I guess it's fair to say she's the villain. And then Elise, how would you say her last name? I I don't, I've been saying Gaetian, which I'm sure is not, is not like correct, but I recognized her immediately because she was in one of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, yeah, she's done uh, Tower Prep, iZombie. She was in a couple episodes of Supernatural, which I guess was really big on Tumblr after I got off of Tumblr. I feel like that's something I've learned from TikTok is <laughs> Supernatural had a much bigger place in our society than I was aware of. She was a regular on a show called Ghost Wars as well. Um, and then Natalie Dreyfus is interesting. She is like a comedic actress and that definitely shows in her performance, especially mm-hmm. her final like monologue was very like, that's her audition scene for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But yeah, she's done a bunch of different sitcoms. Um, and most recently was on the flash that TV series. So mm-hmm. proud of her. She's great. Um, okay. So I will warn you guys, I worked out today, like right before we did this and I'm trying to get like an ass, you know, cause like I spent the first year mm-hmm. of quarantine, not doing anything. And then I had a white claw to prep for this episode and like get excited. And I feel a little like not buzzed, but I just feel a little bit more like, uh, juiced up than one white claw would normally do for me but i'm excited okay so this is a real ones production which is sort of the mart like the rival for marvista i would say where they are like real ones is sort of like when you would go to the movies and like the New Line Cinema logo would come up where you're like, okay, this is a vibe. And I would say Marvista is more like when the Miramax logo comes up. Mm, Vibe wise. Um, I like a real ones video. I mean, this is for me. I'm all about this movie. So we open up on a girl in a bathtub and she has her headphones in and she's listening to music. Then we like get really close to her face and we see a hand enter the frame And the girl with the headphones on looks up and is terrified when she sees whoever this is. And the hand pushes down on her head and drowns her. And like, not to blame the victim, but there was no fight. Like, at all. (laughs) I my my, it's funny. My like the first two notes was who listens to upbeat dance music while taking a bubble bath. (laughs) Right. And who lets the headphones just dangle in the water like that? Right. Like I was going through this moment where I was like, oh, she must be getting electrocuted because like she's just drowning so easily. Like Mm -hmm. you have a whole body that can fight. Right. So like when someone's just getting pushed down by the head, you're like, where's her arms? Like, why isn't she fighting back? And I was like, oh, she must be getting electrocuted. And then I was like, well, science tells me that whoever's pushing her underwater would also be getting electrocuted. So I guess we're just supposed to believe that. 
she didn't have a lot of fight in her or something. Um, and then we get the title. Wrong hand. The wrong hand. Yes. <laughs> so dying to be you comes up and then we go to like a classroom. It's like a bright, sunny classroom. It looks very modern. They didn't try to like age it, which I thought was a little strange because we're going to follow this arc from this classroom up until like the main part of the movie. Um, but it's like third graders and the teachers asking the kids if they've ever heard of a pen pot. Oh, sorry. One second. The teachers asking the kids if they've ever heard of a pen pal or if they've ever had a pen pal. And she explains like the concept of a pen pal and tells them that their school has a sister school in Fairbanks, Nebraska. And whoever they get assigned to is going to be their pen pal throughout the rest of the school year. And then after that, they can keep up with the person if they want. So young Lily, um, who is our main character in this movie, opens her letter. Let's play 210 to 410. Dear pen pal, my name is Molly Cumberland. I'm eight years old, but I'll be nine on Tuesday. I asked for some new colored pencils for my birthday. I love to draw and I can draw pretty much anything I see. If you send me a picture, I can draw you too. Dear Molly, my name is Lily Anderson. I'm eight years old, but my birthday is until October. Thanks for sending your picture. Did you get the pencils you wanted? If you send me a drawing, I'll put it on the bulletin board in my room. I live in Seattle with my mom. My dad died when I was three. I don't have any brothers or sisters. Do you? Write me back. P.S. Here's my picture. sister said it was ugly. I have one little sister named Beth. I told her she would know what ugly is because she's a troll. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Dear Molly, mom said I can finally get on friend form. Look me up. O-M-G. Beth can't stand the fact that I have a boyfriend. I even caught her watching us kiss. She's such a loser. Having a little sister is the worst. into my top pick, the Pacific School of Art. I can't wait to go and study art all the time. What about you? Did you pick a school? Okay, so these two kept up their pen palling for many years and were good buddies throughout. Friend Forum, I guess, is their version of Facebook in this movie. Reminded me of uh, in Degrassi, they had face range. (laughs) Are you a Degrassi ad? Oh yeah! Oh boy! I oh, it, that's like a such a long, painful story. But Sam Earl still follows me on Twitter. So God bless, girl. <laughs> I mean, I love Degrassi. I actually ordered some masks from someone that like they linked. They said they had a Degrassi mask, and I was like, "Oh, where did you get it?" And I just followed the link, and I went and bought them. And when they came in the mail, 
it came with a fucking autographed picture from Joey Jeremiah. And I realized (laughs) that this must be like Joey Jeremiah's side hustle during quarantine as he makes like off market Degrassi masks, which I was like, that's so legendary. But like, I truly bought this out of the pureness of my heart. (laughs) Like I was not expecting an eight by 10 glossy to come to my house. Um, But okay, let's just like talk about Lily for a second, because you know, she says here her dad died when she was three. She has this mom. We're going to find out later. She's a psychologist. And it just sort of hit me that I probably would have been very jealous of Lily growing up, even though her dad was dead, because like I would I would be like, why well, have a single mom like my life isn't as charmed as yours. Like I would have been oddly jealous of her not realizing like, oh, family's just are from different economic statuses. Like I wouldn't have understood mm-hmm. why she was living like such what seemed to be like a charmed life to me. Were you ever like oddly jealous of someone that like you really had no business being jealous of? Oh yes. I grew up in South Florida. So, you know, and it's weird being middle-class in South Florida because it's a very like rich area. And so like my, like I always like went to school like you know in in like teen movies where you see like the cool kids like pull up with like the beamers and like the convertibles and all the cheerleaders pile into the convertible like that was high school um so I was always like staring at that like huh like I want a convertible I can't drive yet but I want a convertible that I can pile like all all of my two friends in And then you like look back and you're like, oh, but they're still Florida people. And I have an accent. Are you from New York or New Jersey? You have a very strong accent. I am originally from Jersey. Okay. I love your accent. I feel like it comes out sometimes, but not all the times, especially in your TikToks. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, that's Harley Quinn. And then sometimes (laughs) I'm like, oh, like it took me a minute to figure out if it was like a thing that you were doing for fun. It, it sometimes I play it up like to like to be funny, but like it it's something I cannot control. <laughs> no, I love that about you. I mean, I'm from Massachusetts. Like vowels are not my strong suit like at all. Um, So I love an accent like I don't have an accent. I just have like the disease of like poor vowel management. Um, OK, so. You know, Lily tries to like find Molly on friend forum, but her account is gone. And we see her writing an email to Molly in her college lecture saying that she saw her friend forum account was deleted and she wants to know if she's okay. And then some time passes and she writes her another email saying that she's graduating school tomorrow. She can't believe that they've known each other for 13 years. Maybe lucky 13 is a good place to stop and she's not going to bother her on email anymore, but she'll always be there if she wants to talk. So Lily's packing up some stuff in her childhood bedroom when she gets an email for Molly. And like the way that she runs to the computer reminded me of like when you're first texting a guy you really like and you get to that phone like the whole world is going to catch on fire if you don't answer that phone in five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a little bit like get a life like this is just your pen pal but I mean I think Lily is a very emotionally healthy person I think that's the other thing that I was watching this and being like you would have been so jealous of her and I think it's because she's just a well-balanced individual like 
she cares about the right things just enough. She, she my like my like weird issue with her was that she was almost like too normal at, le- at least like for the for the majority of the movie i was like when when do we get lily's like flaws coming in because she's just like this all-around american like perfect girl yeah she has to be someone that you would die to be and yeah. like okay I will say, though, in all fairness, I don't think her flaws ever really came out like I never saw even when she had all the right in the world to be mad. She was very controlled. Mm -hmm. Um, So the email says, hi, Lily, I'm sorry I haven't written in such a long time. I'm sure you have all kinds of questions, but trust me when I say it's a long, boring story. It's so great that you graduated college. Congrats. I'm still in school studying. And guess what? I'm studying interior design, too. Hey, maybe one day we'll get to work together. Until then, can we be friends again? And Lily writes back and says that she has a lot to tell her. Last month, she got the opportunity to work on the top interior design firms in Seattle. And she has Gordon Emery as a mentor. His ideas are next level. She feels like she's finally figuring out adulthood. She met a guy named Matthew, who's an artist. It's only been a couple of months, but she likes him a lot. And she hopes that, you know, now that they're making money, they can plan a trip to finally meet. And this is like, this monologue is over a montage of just sort of how well her life has turned out. And we see her and Matthew eating Chinese food out of the box because always in movies. Mm-hmm. And um, she gets a fortune in her fortune cookie that says a surprise waits just around the corner. And oh boy, does it like they, they had an opportunity with this fortune cookie to really like do something. Mm-hmm. But they didn't like it. I, I guess the surprise does wait around the corner, but they could have gone really like oddly on the nose with it and given the fortune cookie a lot more power. Yeah, they could have been more ominous with it. But um, yeah, she gets her mail in her apartment building and she gets a birthday card from Molly saying that she hopes that they can meet soon. And by the way, she met a great guy, too, and she thinks that he could be the one. So Lily starts up the stairs to her apartment and there's this old woman in unit three who opens the door and just kind of stares at Lily. And Lily's like, hi, Mrs. B. I haven't forgotten about your light bulb. You know, I promise I'll come by soon with it. So she walks up to her apartment and it's a surprise party, which. I mean, what a nightmare. (laughs) It's funny, like I I'm always jealous of surprise parties when I see them on TV. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I guess like it's nice if like you're coming back from getting your nails done on a Saturday. But at the end of the workday, if I'm like schlubbing like around, like probably sweaty in my work clothes, getting my mail, I don't want to walk into 25 people in my living room. Okay, when you put it like that, yeah, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) But her boyfriend, Matthew's an artist, so maybe he doesn't know the nine to five hustle that she's living. Right, because we just see him tinkering in his studio, like, all day. Like, what else does he do? What do you think about Matthew? Uh, my first, like, thought was he is not lifetime movie handsome. <laughs> right, yeah. He's very much, like, lifetime movies, like, best friend type of guy. 
Yeah, like I I was bothered by that. Like initially, I was like, "Wow, he is not good." He's they usually try to level it out a little bit with like, "Okay, we have really conventionally attractive main characters," so usually the boyfriend is is at the same level of conventionally attractive. And I was just like, "Oh, his facial hair." I feel like they were trying to play this movie a little bit more real, though, with the casting because I feel like Molly and Lily are both very much like very beautiful but also real looking girls like mm-hmm. they look like someone you could actually work with versus some sometimes these girls are just like there's no way you would have any job besides being an actress like you're like just an absurdly beautiful person mm-hmm. i feel like they played it a little bit more real the only lifetime handsome person in this movie is probably gordon the boss yeah mm-hmm. but um, yeah, Matthew like surprises her with this party and he says to her, you have to meet the guest who's traveled from the furthest away. It's, you know, all the way from Nebraska. And it takes her a second to put it together that, oh, my God, it's Molly, which, by the way, that is like something I would so not appreciate being sprung on me because I would want to spend the whole night talking to this one person. And but mm-hmm. instead they have to do this. I'm so bad at parties, like especially ones that are thrown for me or in my honor, because like I feel like I have to be performing the whole night, like making sure I'm talking to everyone. I'm so bad with that. Like I'm the worst. Like I honestly am the type of person that would host a party and stay in my kitchen the whole night, like just sending stuff out because I don't know how to do it. I'm not good with the dance. Um, but yeah, she gives Molly a hug and Molly says that she was worried Lily wouldn't recognize her. And Lily says that if Matthew hadn't said Nebraska, she probably wouldn't have. So Molly's like, you know, Matthew's a good one. He set all of this up, which is actually really nice for him to get in touch with her childhood pen pal for her birthday. Like I'm, I'm assuming these people are supposed to be like 24, 23, 24. And that's very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you- I thought that was sweet. Are you getting that age range? I feel like they look, they all look 30, but. Yeah, they're supposed to be like, what, like, like, like Lily's supposed to be a recent college grad, but they all look like 29, 30 to me. Yeah. I feel feel like they tried to like age Molly down. Like the, the glasses kind of made her look like a little bit more like, like quirky early 20s, but. I st- everyone at the party, all the people that she like barely glanced at, everyone looked very old to me. Yeah, she definitely is that like 22 year old with friends in their 30s, like 100 yeah. percent. So Lily asked her, you know, how long are you staying? And it turns out that Matthew like set all of this up, but he didn't find Molly a place to stay. So she's going to be like crashing on her couch for the time being Molly doesn't have a hard out date. It seems like or a plane ticket back. So after the party, Molly's like cleaning up nervously, like almost as if she's me. I do shit like this. Like I will just start cleaning at the end of a party. Cause I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And so she's like cleaning up and Lily's like, please stop. And she's like, all right, I really need to take a shower. So she goes to take a shower And Matthew and Lily are just like having this moment where he gives her a necklace he made her. Um, It's like a silver hoop and a gold hoop linked together. And he's like two different metals, but they go together like you and me. So they start making out. And um, there's this moment where Lily's like, we can't 
like bang with my pen pal here. And he's like, oh, shit, I didn't think about this. And they decide like, okay, when she leaves, we'll make up for it. And listen, I totally understand new relationship energy. I get it. But like either like be adults and like (laughs) say, hey, Molly, we're going to like hang out alone for a little bit or like just don't make a big deal of it. Like, obviously, there's a person in the house. Like, what's this discourse about whether or not you can bang with the pen pal? She oh, and he does that the entire movie. She she never she acts like she can't be like, hey, can I have like this time to myself? Can I like hang out with my boyfriend as couples do? Like, she acts like she is physically unable to do that. Yes, it is really weird, especially because like you went to college, like certainly you have like fucked in close quarters like this isn't like a crazy thing. And also Molly's an adult as well. It's not like she's like your 14 year old cousin or something like you can tell her what's going on. And it's also like it puts this weirdness on it where automatically the guest is like the odd one out. Like she's an obstacle versus like, oh, we're going to spend this great time together. And I guess we'll just figure it out as adults when we'll have time alone together. Yeah. Um, but Molly and Lily are going out the next day and Molly's wearing these fucking long ass shorts, <laughs> like Bermuda shorts. They, she definitely has the Nebraska wardrobe. I wouldn't even say Lily is particularly stylish. I would just say that, like, they definitely gave Molly the shit end of the stick on the wardrobe. And they're walking down the stairs when Mrs. B opens her door and Molly's like, somebody's spying on us. And Lily's like, no, that's Mrs. Blankenship. She lives, lived in this building longer than anyone. So they walk up to the door and Lily introduces her to Mrs. B. And Molly's like, hi. And Mrs. B just says she needs to leave. Like, yeah. Like, like as it, if, yeah, she sees something in her soul she doesn't like. I was like, ooh, I think my, I made a note that was like, ooh, creepy old lady from a horror movie vibes. Yeah, it that's the vibes that they're trying to send, that there's something wrong with Mrs. B. When in reality, I mean, come on, we know. We know it's Molly. And yeah. I mean, I think that's every I think that's everyone's biggest fear is like having someone psychically read them and be like <laughs> bad vibes. Yes. That's a fear for me anyway. Um, Okay, so (laughs) Molly can't handle this rejection from like an elderly woman with dementia because like that's also the other part of it where it's like Mrs. B is not entirely there. Um, God bless her. And the two of them go out on a little walk on the street to brunch and Molly just can't move past what's just happened. So let's play 1151 to 1308. Your neighbor is nuts. Sorry, I've never seen her behave like that. What a miserable bitch. No, it's not like that. She has dementia, so she doesn't do well with change or new people. I'm worried this is a whole new level of paranoia. Mm, Well, she gives me the creeps. Hey, we're in Seattle together. Are you ready for stop one of the tour? You lead the way. I hope you like carbs to start your day because this is my favorite brunch place. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just want to document every part of this trip. In or out. You're not the only person in the world, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't talk to her like that. 
Molly, it's fine. No, it's not. You in a hurry to eat those donuts? Because I think you're doughy enough. Typical millennials. Is there a gene you're all missing? Why can't you be conscious of the people around you? Yeah, that's right. Run home to your comfort food. Molly, stop. You want to take a breath? Sorry. That guy just really rubbed me the wrong way. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, what would you do? <laughs> I so I watched that scene like like I like I rewound it and like watched it again just just to make sure I got everything. Right. <laughs> like I I probably would have like made some like rude ass comment in return to the guy, but she chose to like fat shame him. And then and then he just hurled something about like millennials. It was the most unrealistic exchange. Like so I just I and the fact that she had to like yell after him again with the fat shaming. I was just like, what is what? Yeah, she has uncontrollable rage. And to even like call like an old lady a bitch or whatever she said, like bitch. Fucking crazy, right? But then Let's be real. okay? they were in the wrong. And this is one thing that I do dislike about. I don't find that like my era of millennials, like older millennials are like necessarily this unconscious. But like it's categorically rude to be taking a photo in the doorway of a restaurant. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just... That door has a purpose and it's for people to come in and go out of and you can't block the entrance to a restaurant. However, this man was incredibly rude with how he confronted them about it. It's just I mean, this isn't like New York City. It's Seattle. Like, I can't say I know the Pacific Northwest to have that sort of edge on it. But this man definitely had an attitude problem. And Molly returned it in a way that I just was not expecting and was so not Lily style like that moment would have faded the trip for me. It, and I'm surprised it didn't like I, Oh man. Like I was like, oh, okay. The day is going to be so weird. And like Lily was going to be totally like put off the whole time. And she wasn't. Yeah. She, I mean, she definitely seems like she has some sort of lack of ease around her, but like, I definitely would have said like, Hey, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you're tired or what, but like, let's get you some coffee because like your attitudes kind of freaking me out. Like, I think I would probably say that I can be a little bit of a pushover too, though. Like, I can also understand why after all of these years of feeling like this person is a very good friend of yours, you might not be so quick to call them out. But like Molly objectively has a fucking attitude problem Mm -hmm. and she's coming from all sides. She's hitting us with an old, that old lady's a bitch. We're going to fat shaming. (laughs) We're going to situational (laughs) awareness lacking. Like it's just, it, it hits a lot of things for me that wouldn't be able to fly. So they walk through the park and they talk about how beautiful Seattle is. And Lily asks her what Fairbanks is like. And Molly says that it's a dying city and that everyone she likes there moved away. I don't think I've heard the term dying city before. I, yeah, I don't think I have either. I think maybe I've heard like, like, like I'm trying to think, I feel like I've heard something similar, like, Oh, it's a dying, like, 
yeah oh like a dying industry maybe yeah 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 Yeah. or like you know like the economy there is like floundering or whatever but i feel like that's like when you want to get in on a town is when Mm -hmm. things are dying that's when you move in and you put in your new like comic book shop or something Mm But um, they arrive at Lily's office and Molly can't believe how fancy it is because her design firm is a little more old and boring. And Molly asks her what they're doing there on a Saturday. And Lily gives her a spare key and says that, you know, I want you to have a key to get in and out of my apartment while you're staying with me. Molly's like shocked that she would give her a key. But Lily's like, yeah, what's mine is yours. And um, then Lily's boss comes up and he's like, what are you doing here on a Saturday? I thought you'd be like hungover. She says that they had Bloody Marys at lunch and um, she introduces him to Molly and he's like, yeah, we met last night. Um, where do you work again? And she says she works for a firm in Nebraska called Anders Spindle. And he's like, oh, I've heard that name. So he asked Lily about the upcoming Mondavi project. Um, Apparently, he's a difficult client and we're going to get to meet him later. But she says that she's just finalizing the color boards and he tells her that it will all be worth it to put up with him because if she does a good job, he'll refer out all of his socialite friends. And that's where all the real money is because they redecorate all the time. And Molly's like, yeah, that's the problem, you know, with socialites. They can never make a decision. And that's why I prefer dealing with men. You know, I always know how to give men what they want. And this is like as awkward as you would think. And I'm so glad they played into this because Gordon was so clearly like put off by the way that she was speaking about other women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't think they would give necessarily like men that sort of awareness or consciousness of that sort of behavior in these movies. Typically, like typically in Lifetime movies, I feel like a man would be impressed by that. But Gordon is, you know, he's woke. He is mentoring a young woman. They have a very professional relationship. He's like almost a father figure to Lily in some ways. And so he's just like, what's with this girl? Like, why are you like, first of all, we're not in the business of not taking socialites back on so that we can redecorate their house two years later. Like that's the goal in interior design hopefully is that you can refresh someone's home every few years but it's a it's a I liked the way that they let that hang and be weird I I I wrote down like socialites are always redecorating I was like I don't think that's that whole exchange was like the most I've ever heard the word socialite used like it was so it was so like odd and but then i completely forgot about that once you know molly was like i always know how to give men what they want and i was like, expecting him to like wink or something you know like how how like you said like how it kind of typically goes but instead it was sort of like uh oh i don't like this girl that my daughter's hanging out with yeah yeah cuz like you know you yeah you it's very rare that you like get a guy that's like oh no women talking shit about other women is just a bad look mm-hmm. and it was nice to see how he was disgusted by that I'm not really sure what this like Seattle socialite scene is but I would always be down if I was an interior decorator my favorite clients would be the ones that want their apartment to have a facelift every three years yeah um, so you know, Molly and Lily stop by Matt's workshop, um, with some lunch and he works with a lot of like industrial equipment. Molly's like, oh, wow, it's intense in here. And 
she sees that Matt is finishing up this installation for an art gallery. And Molly's like, you know, I love your work. The necklace you made, Lily, is beautiful. Maybe you could make the two of us something. I mean, we've never had best friends bracelets or anything like that. Maybe he can make us some, you know, keychains or something. And Lily is quite put off by this. Um, She values her man's work and she does not like that her friend is trying to get a free commission. I I was so almost like out of everything in the movie that for some reason like made me so angry. Um, It just like the audacity of her. So yeah. just you should make us like matching best friend like like bracelets or keychains or whatever she says and like you know like I like let me ask you to like stop everything and just make this like presumably for free and like uh like I don't know I'm glad and I'm glad that Lily was immediately uncomfortable like are you trying are you really like asking like my hardworking artist boyfriend to like drop everything and make us a free thing and you're roping me into it. Like I was so, I was so annoyed, and also like the way, she, the way she asked, and like the tone, as if like as if Lily would so be on board with it, and then and then obviously this like this would be an obvious thing like Matt would want to do, like because you know you brought me here, Matt. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's very like it's lacking in awareness, and it it definitely is sort of to me like a hint that she's not really an interior designer because yeah. I don't think artists treat each other like that. Like they're very aware. And then to like add on to that, Matt is clearly in the middle of this huge project and probably doesn't have time to like tinker around and go get extra materials to work on this last minute best friends project. I mean, the piece he gave Lily was beautiful, but like, if that's what he gave her for his her birthday, I imagine he put like a lot of time and effort into that. Yeah. And, and it was just one piece. So Lily is um clearly regretting this IRL meetup at this point. And when Lily and Molly get back to the apartment later, they have tons of shopping bags and they run up the stairs so that Mrs. B doesn't see them, which you know, I get it, but I was like, Lily, don't buy into Molly's bullshit. Like, you don't have to ignore Mrs. B because your friend called her a cunt earlier or whatever it was. (laughs) I kind of was mad at her for playing into it for a minute. So Molly said she has a blast and she's never leaving after seeing the shopping there. And Lily tells her that she wants to see the dress she had her buy. So she pulls it out of the bag and it's like a red bodycon number. It's like it looks like something that would look very good on Molly if she was playing a different character. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I could see that it's like the right coloring, it's like the right mood, but this is definitely a departure from her day-to-day style, I would say. And Molly even points that out. And she says that the two of them are like the city mouse and the country mouse. Like she's mm-hmm. definitely the country mouse. And you know, Lily says that the way that Molly's talking about herself, it can't possibly be true because she's an interior designer. I mean, plus, even models need stylists with the right makeup that dress will totally work on her and her new boyfriend will love it. And Molly goes, if only. And Lily's like, huh? She's like, nothing. You talked me into it. So that's like, okay, she's something's going on with the boyfriend. We don't know what yet, but um, it's, it's weird because like they're the same age, 
hypothetically. Mm-hmm. But Lily's maturity is on a different level. Yes, absolutely. Like Lily's very much living in her womanhood. And I feel like Molly still feels like a little girl. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm kind of like clocked, like, like, okay, Lily is being very like, especially with how patient she was being with Molly, even though she was super uncomfortable, like she's being such, so like mom, like to her. Yeah. 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 And we all like have our friends that like we've had to like get out of their shell. And like, God knows, I feel like I've been that friend at certain times where I'm like, oh, my God, how are my peers pulling all of this off? And I feel like that just so doesn't work for me. But, you know, this is supposedly her best friend. Right. And it's kind of not necessarily aligning with the Molly that Lily knows. So mm-hmm. Lily does Molly's makeup and she looks gorgeous and she checks herself out in the mirror and she's like very kind of blown away by how she looks. You can tell she's impressed. Mm-hmm. Lily says they're going out. She's going to buy her a drink and they're going to go dancing. So she's like, they, she says she's going to go down to Mrs. B's apartment really quick. And Molly's like, why are you doing that? And she's like, I have to give her a light bulb. And she's like, get dressed. I'll see you down there in a second. So Molly, first of all, you can tell that she's like jealous that Lily is going to change this like elderly woman with dementia's yeah. light bulb because she was mean to her earlier. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, like as if she's a threat. It's it's like kind of like it's kind of an odd take. <laughs> and um, Molly like takes this moment to go into Lily's room And she sits at her vanity and she plays with her jewelry and perfume. It's a total single white female moment. Mm -hmm. And Lily shows Mrs. B her new light bulb. And she's like, it's an eco-friendly light bulb. She's very sweet about it. And Mrs. B tells her that she shouldn't trust that friend. She's not a good person. And Lily tells her that she's known Molly almost her whole life. And she goes, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. What does that mean? Because like... If it's if you throw a hand grenade and you get it into the right area, it's probably going to do significant damage. Like Ah. in the game of horseshoes, like if you don't get it on the peg, you know, I mean, I think it's actually kind of a charming saying, if I'm being honest. Oh, my God. I see. I when she said that, I was like, what? But okay, I guess she's basically just saying like precision counts in most of real life. Okay, okay, Mrs. B, I'll give you that. But I mean, God, I can't even tell you how much I would take that to heart if like someone had seen my friend once and was like, I don't trust her. Like, I feel like those were things I ignored as a child when someone would say it to me. And now as an adult, I feel like I've learned a lot enough hard lessons that I wouldn't brush that off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's like, I'll be careful. Um, and she's like, it's 8 p.m. It's almost time for your show. So her show is a show called Judge in Court. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to play the intro later on. But it's basically like <laughs> it's kind of great because it's like the anti what I hate about fake web interfaces on this show or in these movies and like on these you know, in, in the whole world of like friend forum or whatever judge in court, they even do the like dun dun sound like at the end of it. And it was so cute. Like how Mrs. Blankenship like is so genuinely excited and happy to watch it. I I was like, when was the last time I had that childlike wonder in my eyes while watching something? 
Yeah. No, I mean, that's how I feel when I watch real law and order. So like, I understand like her excitement about it. I understand she's like ready to go. She's ready to get into it. And um, I I love that about her. I love that it doesn't scare her, that it hasn't become a strange journey for her. Because I mean, when they rip from the headlines now, they really rip from the headlines. You know what I mean? Yeah. Law and order is like... (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of traumatizing now because it's like we're living through this. Like, how did you guys even get this script out fast enough? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite era of SVU? Favorite era of SVU. Ooh. I have to think about that. What's your what's your favorite era? I will say this, and it's sh- it shocks even me. I don't think Stabler holds up. Like, as much as I love stabler so much um when i rewatch the episodes like from the beginning with him i think he's on the first like 13 or 14 seasons i have to cringe a little bit because he's a very like repressed angry catholic so like part of my heart is there and i want to go with that but I would say like just a couple years ago i would say the barba years like i'm big into barba that was my jam the oh my god this season and the season that so it's it's been a minute but the season that uh that mariska hardigay won the golden globe is that and oh, i think that's the one when she got kidnapped by okay. that guy and like those i will say so like the sir toby episodes which was like their version of harvey weinstein that's oh. like when i was like ter- i was just like i'm out like and i i wasn't i'm of course i'm never really gonna be out with svu but I was like, the Sir Toby thing went on for, it seems like forever. Mm-hmm. But um, the main like sort of wraparound they did where it was like the last episode of a season and then the first two episodes of the next season was this guy that was like a serial like rapist murderer type guy that they were dealing with. I don't remember his name, but that was a really, that was a really good season for her. And definitely. Yeah, that was a lot. I think that was like season 17 or something. So Lily gets upstairs and Molly's wearing the dress and earrings that she was wearing at her birthday. Okay. That bothered me so much. Like there's those statement earrings again. Yes. Okay. So it's like Lily's statement earrings and her black dress that like, let's be real. Like, that's really gross that like you went through her laundry and put on a dress that she wore all fucking day. And I'm going to argue that that dress is not something you launder. That's dry clean only. That's okay. That bothered me too. Yeah. I was like, why is that in the hamper? Yeah, that but I like pay attention to that on shows like when people put their like white button down top in like their laundry like I'm like, dude, you don't wash that in your washing machine and you're a fucking liar if you say you do because I see how you dress and I know you're not using starch. So let's be real like you. That's a dry clean thing. So Molly's like, no, it was just sitting on top of the hamper. I went to put my red dress on and then I saw this one and I thought to myself, it must feel really special because no one's ever thrown me a party before. Like what? Like (laughs) you want to wear this dress to channel the feeling of a surprise party that has like her B.O. and and sweat and all the other like, you know, like how our dead skin like sheds during the day and clings to our like 
are the things that we wear. Like, yes. Oh, I was like, I was like, oh my God. Like she, okay. That, that's when it fully clicked in. Like, okay. She wants to become Molly. Like she, she's literally wearing her dead skin flakes. Okay. Wait. So I read parts of Cassie David's book, obviously, because I'm an Arianator and I wanted to catch up on the tea. But there was one part of it in which she wrote about a friend that she had, I think, in high school or college that had like such a specific scent to her that like she found a top that belonged to her like seven years later in her closet and it still smelled exactly like her. And it's it was so like visceral because I feel like I've known a couple girls like that in my life where like you could never borrow anything they wore because like not that they even smelled bad, but like they just had such a specific aroma that like it was almost impossible to like wash it out. Yes, I yes. I know exactly what you mean. And I've been accused of that because all of my clothes smell like perfume. And yeah, it's not like a perfume thing. It's like where like perfume meets your hormones. Yeah. It just it takes on a whole identity. And I have to say, out of everything in the book that I read, that was the most profound thing. Cause I've never heard anyone else vocalize that so specifically. And I don't think Lily has this problem, but it's definitely like interacting with just maybe one or two girls like that in my life has taught me that like clothes are never really clean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially like, I don't like I, especially because that's the thing that I used to hear like in high school and middle school, like, oh, you smell like your house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We all used to tell each other that. And, you know, and my, my family's house smells like, like, air freshener my there is a febreze plug-in in every single outlet of that house um so i would go to school every day i guess smelling like febreze and then like that that's kind of that was kind of like a thing um and like now i don't hear that now it's just like i don't now i guess i don't really pay attention to that but like now that like i think about it like every yeah everyone has like their own like weirdly like signature scent and it lingers on your clothes like no matter like how much laundry you do which like okay see i'm going to have to go on a google deep dive later now about like how that all works well i'm like convinced from like just being on tiktok that like laundry stripping is such a real thing that has to happen and i've never done it before and i'm almost afraid based off of what i've seen like i've seen people cleaning like couch cushions but also like their denim like there's this one like crust punk guy and his girlfriend finally like cleaned his vest and like what came off of it <laughs> was a fucking nightmare like I've never seen anything like it and I you know I guess like our washing machines as strong as they are they can't really thoroughly get out everything and you would think that they do right because I do like sanitize a lot like I'm rough on my laundry just in how like religiously I clean it and how I don't know I think I boil my clothing a lot but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't be out there willy nilly swapping clothes with people like that. So um, 
Lily says it's okay if she borrows her clothes, but she would prefer if she asks first. And I'm like, oh, only child moment. Like, I get that. Like, I feel that as well as an only child where you feel like you don't want anyone borrowing your shit without asking. But like to only children, that's like a a whole thing where it's like, don't I'm not used to people touching my shit. Okay. see, I have a younger sister, so. I'm very used to like my clothes ending up in her closet and vice versa. And like, she'll post a photo on Instagram and I'm like, that looks familiar. Wonder why I haven't been able to find that in a year. Is Uh. she the Beth? So (laughs) she, my sister is six years younger than me. She is, uh, she goes to NYU. She is an overachiever, very talented actress, singer, dancer, uh is is also like my favorite person in the whole world um but it's funny i facetimed her after like watching the movie and i was just like i was like if you were in the bathtub listening to music and like i tried to push you under what would you (laughs) what would you do and she was like i would beat the shit out of you what are you talking about right i was like okay this chick just like sunk (laughs) <laughs> like we went limp and just sunk she was like yeah n- no i would no i would probably try to wrap the headphones like around your neck or something right right yeah no i mean <laughs> it's weird it was like molly like spoiler alert guys molly like let herself be drowned in that bathtub like she knew this was coming her whole life like it was inevitable yeah. like i guess this is the moment where my sister kills me she was, oh yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to like speed up, but it was just sort of like, yeah, time to go. I don't think anyone listens to this podcast for like the big reveals at all. Okay. So don't worry about it. <laughs> um, although I will say I was a little like I wasn't surprised at the end of this movie, but I, I liked the way they laid this out mm-hmm. um, in terms of just like sometimes with these movies, it's like, oh, my God, like. How can you be surprised? I've known since five minutes in who this was. But um, Lily asked her, you know, to sit down with her on the couch. They need to have a conversation. And she's like, what's going on at home? And I, you know, I could tell you don't want to talk about something. And Molly says that things were going well with her boyfriend. But then the relationship blew up and he was charming, but he had a short fuse and he knew that. But apparently he hit her last week. And that's not what she, you know, she wasn't expecting all that. That's why she said she could be in town for a while because she needs some space. And Lily's like, listen, you know, it's really great. Your work has been so flexible with you coming out here. I want you to know you can stay as long as you want. And, uh, you know, that's sort of like where it is. It's like a healing moment for the two of them. But definitely like. I don't know, especially after what Mrs. B said, I would be on high alert for like am i about to get manipulated i i i was like oh my god she did the thing where where someone's about to confront you because you kind of did something bad and instead you change the entire conversation by just like being like oh this really emotional bad thing is happening so now so now the person feels bad for even thinking that they had to confront you like I was like, oh, yeah, that's really clever. But oh, no, this is guy that was this is going to get real bad from here on out. You know, it's so interesting you say that because that is such a fucking thing. And it's such like a known manipulation tactic. I've never been able to stop that in real time. Like it's only in therapy 
that I realized that that's what what happened. Mm -hmm. But like, I know that's a thing, like as I move about the world. But then somehow when you're in that situation, it's so difficult to look at the person and be like, right. But we're still going to hold you accountable for this weird behavior. Mm -hmm. Like uh, props to anyone who has the emotional intelligence to negotiate a situation like that, because I crumble like I'd be like, oh, do you want to move in? (laughs) i'm awful with that so they go to molly's uh they go to lily's childhood home so molly can finally meet her mom let's play 23 47 to 25 10 listen to how fucking weird this is and like pay attention to how lily obviously became the well-adjusted woman she is today and how just molly's shit is so pungent dude like she has like just bad energy um 2347 <laughs> Ellen Anderson, PhD. I'm just a therapist. I'm sure your mother's equally glamorous. Hardly. Do you remember when you wrote to Lily, your parents let you go to the InSync concert with your friends? Lily wanted to go so badly, she was in tears. Okay, Mom. I'm sorry. I just think it's sweet how much you wanted to be with your friend. I have a feeling that was more about saying InSync than it was about seeing me. I don't think so. It meant the world to Lily when you sent her that souvenir from the concert. What souvenir? The poster, uh, signed by that one boy. Um, oh, what was his name? He was your favorite. You remember, don't you? Justin Timberlake? JC should say. He was your favorite, too. It was so long ago. <laughs> ah, well, never mind that. Why don't you give Molly a tour? Show her your old room. Oh, you mean the gym slash craft slash storage room? I never touched anything that you left up there. I definitely need to see this. Go. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. I mean, a lot to unpack there. 
so this so at this point uh, in the first watch of the movie i was like wait a minute she doesn't remember the sync thing so my first thought was like does this mean that the boyfriend like looked up the wrong molly and it's, <laughs> he's just going yeah. along with it yeah right right i mean Listen, as a pop culture girl, that would have broken my neck. Like, I would have been like, excuse, like, what? Like, how do you not remember what would have been a hugely formative memory of going to an in-sync concert? And it's not like they sold signed posters at the merch table. Like, that's almost implying that Molly, like, met the band, got Mm -hmm. JC to sign a poster, and then mailed it to Lily. Like, that's like ceremonial almost at that age in your life. I do like that. They went with JC as her favorite. Have you noticed this sort of revisionist history that's come with Lance Bass being the most publicly available member of NSYNC where people are like, Oh my God, Lance, like you were my favorite. Like Lance was nobody's favorite. Like, fucking stop like that's truly like bad clout demon behavior to me like trying to suck up to lance bass on tiktok or on instagram that's like people saying that like kevin richardson from the backstreet boys was their favorite it's just not true like it's just objectively not true like even joey fatone had more swag and like valuable like features to him to a teenage girl than Lance. I mean, because first of all, there's something weird about blonde men, generally speaking. (laughs) Lance, like, you know, Lance and Joey and Chris, they were all sort of like mostly even playing field. Joey was definitely like 40. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like he was always sort of like the older one, but he had a sense of humor Chris had those fucking weird braids that we have to, you know, really look the other way. But I'm sure he had redeeming qualities, too. But I just sort of refuse to believe, like, I don't know if you watch Vanderpump, but Lance, like, officiated Jack's and Britney's wedding. And one of the, like, members of the show, Katie, was like... I love that Lance is officiating the wedding because back in high school, all my friends and I, we all had guys in NSYNC that we liked and um, Lance was mine. So this like explained so much to me about Katie because Katie is like just is gets this bitch on wheels at it. Like she's just like such a she comes across like such a bitter, mean person. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like the answer in what's wrong with Katie is like, who was the one that was allowed to like Justin Timberlake and who was the one who was allowed to like JC and her group because Katie's trauma lies with them. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I was a Backstreet Boys girl and I mean, Nick Carter was my favorite and no one else in my little elementary school friend group was allowed to have Nick as their favorite. I feel that. Listen, I feel that. I'm very bossy. I get very jealous when I see other women talking about Post Malone online. Like, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> That's my fucking boyfriend. And you can keep his name out of your mouth. Like, I don't want to hear other people talking about Post Malone on my timeline ever. Get very defensive. I completely understand. You know, the weird thing is, is like, I really do think that like, 
he might be interested in me as a 37 year old woman. <laughs> I honestly like you're a babe and I could I could see it. You know, I feel like we would really laugh together. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I just love him. And like, of course, I see his girlfriend and she's like a 22 year old, like hot Asian girl. Like we literally could not look less alike. We could not even be like further apart from the same genre of human. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I just think he hasn't like found his type yet. Like, I think that she's <laughs> really great for him. He just hasn't gotten to a place where he's ready to date a 37 year old woman who lives in Glendale. Like, and that's just is what it is. Like, he's having fun right now. But in a few years, Austin and I will be together. Oh, oh my God. Austin. I forget that his name is Austin Austin Post, which is so weird, right? Like, I would I could be married to him and still call him Posty. I feel (laughs) the wedding. I pronounce you Molly and Posty. I would love that. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, when he started to like triple down on the face tats, that's when I started to be like, okay, honey, like, let's calm down on that a little bit. But I still, you know, I still think he's valuable. I still really enjoy him. And I think that we would have some fun together, you know, Um, and like it, it doesn't have to be a sexual relationship. We can have a companion at marriage. <laughs> My life companion. Post-mortem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Iconic life companion. Yeah. Um, so, okay. They go to Lily's old room and Lily shows her all of the letters she saved for all of these years. And Molly's surprised that she's like kept all of this for so long. She says, sometimes memories aren't that great. You know, it's better to move on and forget. And Lily's confused by this because, like, didn't Molly keep any of her letters? And she's like, yeah, of course I did. But some of them got lost when my parents moved. And I would personally be, like, heartbroken by this. And it's, again, like, off tone. Like, not only did she not remember JC, but, like, these two were probably as close to best friends as you could really be without ever meeting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would, um, as a cancer, I'm very, very sentimental. And yeah, things like that, like letters and cards, I would have started crying right there. Yeah. What do you think her sign is, Molly slash Beth's sign? Yeah, she, so at first I was like, I was like, maybe, maybe an Aries, but like there's, she's very calculated. So like maybe a Virgo. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause like she has like this tenseness to her. I mean, is maybe Scorpio, right? Cause she's sexual. That's true. That's true. She's I, like oddly sexual. That's, that's true. And Scorpios are also water signs. I just like, I have never met a Virgo that wasn't like very tense and very just like, I don't know. So she, she, I just felt like there was some, maybe there has to be a Virgo placement somewhere. So, oh, for sure. So, um, you know, Molly apologizes. She didn't mean to upset her. And Lily's like, no, it's fine. You know, um, by the way, how are your parents? And she's like, I don't really know. They've traveled a lot since we moved out. And Lily's like, oh, yeah. What happened to your like sister, Beth? You were always writing about how annoying she was. And Molly said that last she heard she was traveling to Thailand to find herself, like whatever that means. Apparently, they're not close. So I like that she gave Beth like a more romantic story than she needed. Because like, I think it's kind of badass that 
she's supposedly in Thailand. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So Beth is like the cool, like sister. Like, all right. Like that was yeah. Like that, I liked that. Like, because I was like, I can relate. Because my my sister, yeah, freaking lost her phone in Spain. (laughs) Oh my god, that would give me a heart attack. (laughs) She got pickpocketed in Spain. Facetimes me in like some dark room. So here I am, assuming that my sister is going to tell me that she has been Liam Neeson taken. Right. She's she's like, she's like, my phone got stolen in Madrid. And I was just like, oh, my, this is the most you thing to ever happen. Yeah, that's uh, that's like as a Capricorn, that's for me to go back to the sign thing. That's like something that would not be allowed to happen. Like. I'm allowed to get all sorts of out of control, but I have to have six backup plans and like make sure my phone is like glued to my body. Like there's some things I can just never, I mean, granted, you know, she maybe had it like stolen, like pickpocketed or something, which, you know, they tell you about in pamphlets happens in Europe, but like, yeah, no, that could never happen for me. That's like a nightmare. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is like, she was fine. She like right. Is, <laughs> it's just how she pulls through. Like you know, like her whole thing was like, oh, like like our Bob, our father is gonna be really mad. So I was like, all right, I'm at that time, and this was at this before the pandemic officially started. My parents were at Disney World because that's that because they're cute and that's what they do together. They just go to they would go to that Disney. is really cute. Are your parents Disney adults? They so they didn't start doing that until like a like a maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but they figure, well, we live in Florida, we're three hours away from Disney, we might as well go. So they just go and they hold hands in the park. And and so I had to I had to call and be like, all right, don't forget. And my dad was like getting on like Splash Mountain or something. <laughs> <laughs> I had to be like, all right, so Gianna got her phone stolen, and she's fine. She's just upset that you're going to be upset. Cause my, cause my dad is like, is the, is the parent with like the, like, I don't know when I see on TV that like the mom is the one who's supposed to be really upset and overbearing and like, Oh my God, like blah, blah, blah. My mom is so chill. Like she just wants to like sit on the couch with the cats and watch true crime. Whereas like my dad like has our locations on and stuff. So I had to be like, well, Gianna got her phone stolen in Spain. And he was like, all right, well, I'm getting on splash mountain. So can can this wait? That's so funny. You know what? I I will allow it. I'll <laughs> allow your parents to be Disney adults. I think that's really fucking cute. I actually stand that. I do. I enjoy that. Um, how's your dad doing, by the way? I know he had COVID like early on, right? Had COVID in April, and so did my sister. She, she brought it back with her from her study abroad. God damn um, it. Yeah, um, my mom somehow didn't get it, even though she nursed them both back to health. But Bob is fine. It's the it's it's the lasting like lung issues, I guess. Yeah, just like the breathing stuff. My my sister's completely fine, but my dad still has. Like, I would say he's he's mostly fine, but like there's just he still has to monitor like his oxygen every day. Um, and he did just get the vaccine though, so thank. Oh, God. that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wait, so how does that work? Like, if you've had COVID already, you can still get the vaccine? Yeah, because you can get COVID again. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. God, we're still learning so much about it. Like, 
what a freak show this whole thing has been truly like my cousin, same thing. She's like 30 something and she has a room in her parents' house and she like is working in a salon, right? So she gets back from the salon. She gets COVID. Neither of her parents got it, even though they all live in this place together. And I'm like texting my cousin, like she's in the hospital, like hooked up to oxygen and I'm texting her being like, so I'm like worried about your parents. Like, should I get them vitamins or like, what should, what can I do? Like, I'm like on Google looking for like a miracle cure to like, hopefully make them exempt from being able to contract it. She's like, actually, we've all been like really careful. So like, I'm not worried about I'm like, Fiona, you're in the fucking hospital. Like, <laughs> I was going to ask. It was Fiona. I was going to ask. Oh, you know, Fiona. I've been listening to you for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's Fiona. She's it's thief it's my girl it's my number one girl i mean fiona's my i mean she's just we're like we're like sisters like we fucking hate each other but like we love each other so much more so like that's really all that matters but we fight like cats and dogs like it's so funny but like also Last time we fought, I was like, you better like figure out your fucking attitude because you're taking care of me when I'm old. So like you better figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know she's going to poison me, but like, it's fine. Like, I love her so much. But yeah, she's crazy. So um, she's like, but you know what? You know what she is? She's like my lifelong Leo. Like, I have such a deep issue with Leos and like Fiona's just like the one Leo I can't spontaneously quit. And so like, it's like that. You know what I mean? My my issue is with Aquarius people. Really? Yeah. Aquarius have like a bad rap. Specifically Aquarius women from Rochester, New York. (laughs) I've met four in my lifetime, four Aquarius women. From from Rochester, and they've all just been horrible. Something's in the water there. It's funny because they did last podcast on the left did like a crime that took place there, and that's what they said. Yeah, yeah, they were they were just like New York's stinkiest city. Like there's some something weird in the water. I was like, thank you for saying that. Thank you. I feel validated. There's just something not right over there. There's no offense if you're from Rochester, but like prove me wrong, maybe. No, they might even agree with you. You know. Oh man. So, okay. Um, they're at Lily's place that night, and Lily's working on her big project for Mr. Mondavi. And Molly's like, hey, puddles. And Lily looks up and she's like, Why are you reading my old yearbook? And she's like, Your mom gave it to me. Was that really your nickname? Just like such a violation. Like, I would be mortified. Like <laughs> Like, like, let's laugh, but like, okay, let's go through it. So Lily says that she peed her pants one time when she was on the basketball team and they never let her forget it. And Mm. Lily's like, you know what? Like, what did they call you when you had mono uh, smoochy? And she's like, yeah, my sister made up all kinds of terrible names for me. And they spread throughout school like wildfire. And um, they agree that being an adult is so much better than being in school, except for all the bills and work and stuff, which like made me roll my eyes. But also, ultimately, I agree. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like that's something I say to this day. So 
Molly's like, you know, having a hot boss must, you know, make work so much better for you. And Lily's like, I can't think of him like that. And Molly's like, well, I can. And he's like, that's gross. I have to finish my work with that on my mind. That would be really off limits for me if someone sexualized my boss. <laughs> I would be so disturbed and like good for Lily again, emotionally balanced, like never even noticed her boss is hot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny because I would clock that and then I'd like put it away in my mind to try and never think about it again. Um, oh, totally. And like, I, I don't know, like for some reason, like, I don't know. Does anyone ever tell you like, oh, I think so and so is hot and it just grosses you the fuck out because you're like, what are you thinking about? Like, what's going through your mind? Yes, I'm trying. People, my my boss is fairly young, um, and so I so I get that sometimes from like people who like live in town. Not not that I like care about anybody in this in this very small town anymore. I'm I'm out of here, baby. Um, but I before when I still had a moving social life, I guess like I would get a lot of that, and I'd be like, really. Like, I've never, never really thought about it. They're like, what do you mean you haven't thought about it? But then you have to put it into consideration that there's like 10 good looking dudes here and he's one of the 10. Right, right, right. That's a good point. Wait, where do you, are you in Florida now? No. So I came to West Virginia for grad school and then got hired like right after I graduated. Um, it's a very beautiful state. I currently live in a very horrible, horrible place. And my lease is up in four months. So. You know, it's so crazy because it like never occurred to me that you work. Like, I don't know what I thought you do, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I never, I thought you just like laid around and looked hot all day. Like, I didn't know what you did. Yeah. Like, I really, honestly, for some reason, I didn't think you had a job. <laughs> my, 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 so it's my day job is uh, I work in higher ed, uh, the administrative uh, sector of, of a university and that's my that's my day job and then by night I am a freelance writer poet person but um I'll I yeah I I kind of just keep it like offline uh because like higher ed is very touchy about that um especially like like technically like if i were to identify the university i worked at they would they would clock it and be like you have to put in your bio that your views do not represent the university and like that kind of thing so so i'm just like like, you're very online so like how does that work um i so i mean I when I'm when I'm actively looking for jobs like I am now I just try to like not post any f words um but uh and also I have it so when you google me my Instagram and Twitter don't come up um which is nice I finally figured out how to do that um can you send me the link it's uh it's in the data sharing setting oh okay okay yeah because because it was coming up even though I took my name off and yes, yeah, so when you turn the all of the data sharing off, and then it, it it just completely like stops coming up. So I was like, oh, awesome. But um, when I got this job, so when I yeah, when I got this job, um, like they looked at my socials and they were like, oh, okay, she's a she's a writer. Like they're really just looking to like see if you're like racist or homophobic or like right. Yeah. So so me me posting memes 
isn't gonna isn't gonna not get me a job which which i which i learned even though bob will tell like like every now and then bob will be like be careful careful what you post online you know they look at that and like like it's like bob i just retweeted like the elmo twitter right like, <laughs> elmo just said elmo says it's the weekend baby like i think that's okay yeah i you definitely know? like am on top of making sure my tweets are deleted every like six months because yeah. God, I mean, you just don't want it out there. Like you're dumb. Like I used to think like, oh, I could never delete my tweets. Like there were so many years where I thought that like my Twitter was some sort of asset in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Your Twitter just exists to like get you canceled. Like it's just like there's no tweet I've ever written that would be like that's going to make or break me. But there's a lot that could just break me. So I always make sure that all of that's deleted, but like, yeah, it's difficult in hiring now. Cause like, there's definitely some people that are, are very good about never having had an internet footprint, mm-hmm. but, or like one that's attached to their name, but like, it's like the rules that existed when I was growing up that I like never paid attention to anyway. Cause I always was like, I'll figure it out. Like whatever. Um, like you can't there's no like 22 year old entering the work workforce that like hasn't been online right right and yeah and my social media for me has it's it's kind of been how like i've um well one it's how i've made like so many friends that i will love and cherish forever and also just um how i've you know gotten the majority of my writing gigs and you know um like like Twitter's a magical place. Like you follow an editor one day and then they like read your stuff and they're like, Hey, I like your stuff. And then, you know, then you pitch to them and then woohoo. Um, now if I could somehow translate that into like full-time work, that'd be great. But that, especially with the pandemic, like, and the way freelance stuff has dried up because advertisers are buying less and less ad space from websites and stuff. It's like, okay, so I'm going to have a day job for the rest of my life. Yeah, the freelance world is so I've never been able to like pitch like I don't know, like I don't believe in myself enough to like pitch an idea like I've I've never been able to get it's like weird how much of myself I'm willing to put out there. But then when it comes to like even going to a publication, even if they approach me, I'm like, oh, I I simply have nothing to share with you. Like I don't (laughs) when like that's not true. Like I feel like, you know what I mean? It's such a daunting world basically is what i'm trying to say don't you have to pitch for tv though yeah but like that's different like that's a totally different conversation like when you're talking to like salon.com like i think there's just people in the world that come in on such a different like level of this will work for this website or whatever but with tv it's like you either write a script or for me, honestly, any show I've ever sold, I've either been so fucking prepared going into the pitch that like I can tell you like what, you know, what color hair all of my leads have and like what they look like and what their feeling is and like their backstory and all that stuff. Or I've literally made it up on the spot and like, you know, sounded like I've had my whole this whole world figured out, but I'm literally like improving 
on the spot. Like you either okay. go in so prepared or like just completely like, <laughs> let's see, let's see what comes out of my mouth right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, but it's different. Like with pitching for TV, it's more of a conversation than I feel like with media outlets, it's like more of a, I don't know. I don't know what those, those media people do. I really don't. Um, even though I've worked in that world, I kind of just don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Um, and so I'm sort of like that person that like gets connected to editors. And then I like, I don't know what to tell them. Cause I just don't believe in myself. Is that like, should I even be saying that out loud? I don't know, but it's tough. It's like, it's like, it's uh it's a tough world, especially like, yeah, right now, like the market is more competitive than ever. There's like so many people and there's less and less work to be had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you'll figure it out. I have faith in you. Thank you. So, um, okay. In the morning, Lily like sneaks into the living room and leaves a note for Molly saying she'll be back for dinner that night. And she gathers her things up for a presentation. And once Lily is gone, Molly gets up. She wasn't really sleeping. She was faking. And, um, and I was like, that makes sense. She's still in Nebraska time. Like, meanwhile, this girl is just like a stone cold psycho. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, what would it mean if I wasn't sleeping in like, oh, maybe I was having a time difference. Like, no, she's just Molly's built different. So she goes into her room and like grabs Lily's robe, which like she wears throughout the rest of this movie. So I'm like, like, I'm confused about the robe narrative. Yeah, I'm like, was there a conversation or like, like, I feel like did like, was like, was there a conversation that we just didn't see? Or did Lily just go, okay, if, she, if, I, if she's gonna borrow my stuff, like, whatever, I guess she can have it. Because yeah. Lily does kind of give up at one point. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true, too. Like, at a certain point, when you are dealing with someone, you just see they're not gonna change. You're like, fuck it. I'm like, Why would I even give the note at this point? So Gordon and Lily have like a nice little pregame before the Mr. Mondavi meeting where he's looking over her color board and he's like, wow, pink in the study. That's pretty bold. And she's like, I'm calling it Himalayan salts. It's the same shade they use in the governor's mansion. And Gordon's like, that's good. You got to use political prestige with Mondavi. He's not going to fall for your standard name dropping, but this could work. And he tells her just to rely on her good instincts. She's very good with difficult people like her neighbor, Mrs. Blankenship, which just made me feel like Lily's like me, like she calls people by their first and last name in conversation with like fucking anyone. Like the way I know your dad's name is Bob now. Like (laughs) that's how I talk about people too, where it's just like, if you don't know their name, you're going to figure it out. Um, so Molly walks downstairs barefoot in Lily's robe and her nightgown. You can tell she's feeling herself. She's having like a little moment where she's sort of like feeling herself walking around in this nightgown and this robe barefoot to the mailbox. And Mrs. B opens her door. And when she's on her way back up the stairs, you think Molly's just going to pass by. But instead, she climbs up a couple of steps and then she turns around and she goes, boo. And like, the, it's jarring. Like the scene yeah. shocked me that she said boo to an old lady. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, does she know she could have given her like a heart attack? I think that was her goal. Oh my God. Like, I, I think she was hoping that Mrs. B would pass. Like it was, <laughs> she de- definitely, uh, you know, she's n- not all there. So 
Mondavi arrives a little bit early to the office. So Lily has to go in and pitch. Um, the pitch is great. I kind of don't know why we're getting this like and Hathaway and Devil Wears Prada, like the, you know, student becomes the teacher sort of moment with her because like, I guess it does sort of pay off in her career. I don't know. Like, I, I understand why we went through this scene, but it doesn't really like pay off in a sensational way. Um, 3118 to 3252. Mr. Mondavi, I'm Lily Anderson. I got here a little early. My driver knows all the shortcuts. So what do you got for me? I have some boards to show you with some furniture ideas and fabric swatches. Are the boards necessary? What do you mean? Okay, well, just describe your plan for the rooms to me. Most people find the visual helpful. I'm not most people. Right. Do you need more time to prepare? Two weeks seem like enough time to me, but then again, I'm not a creative. Have you ever been to Versailles? Versailles? Yes, many years ago. What would you say is the Versailles of this country? The Biltmore Estate, perhaps. Too gaudy. I hope you're not suggesting we flaunt my wealth. But Versailles was a palace. A residence, yes. But also a seat of government. Our equivalent would be closer to the governor's mansion. Or the White House. What's your point? I'm suggesting we take something opulent and classic, like Versailles, but we put it through a good old American, no-nonsense filter. That will leave you with a home that is the perfect representation of both the hard work and good taste that got you to this point in your life. Go on. Ever heard of a color called Himalayan salt? Okay, so... Let's break this down. Okay, imagine you're Mr. Mondavi, right? And you think you are so elite. Like you can't even be bothered with these vision boards and like sample fabrics and like all of really honestly the logistically necessary things to understand <laughs> the design mm -hmm. process and like what any person who's spending money would actually really care about, which is like, what does the fabric feel like? Is it, you know, durable? Is it blah, blah, blah? Like, I don't know if super rich people care about durability, but that's something I care about right now. And the only way it can be explained to you is to be like talked through something like a fucking child, like going from like Versailles to like, what about like the modern American version of how we celebrate wealth and sophistication? <laughs> it's like, honestly, it's like kind of embarrassing that he thinks he has this elite mind. Yeah, can you can you just like explain it to me? Like what? Like if you're gonna be spending mad money on something that's gonna be like semi permanent, don't you want to like see a visual representation of it and 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 detailed like detailed plans? Like, and he but he just like could not be bothered. And I and of course I knew that Lifetime was gonna was gonna really play that up like the snootiness. Because we can never have just a character who's just, you know, sort of snooty or sort of one way. Like, yeah. you, you, this guy was hired with one job and I knew he was going to give it his all. Yeah, she tackled Elon Musk that day. Like, he's definitely yeah. giving me, like, 
Silicon Valley, like, you know, fuck you energy for sure. And let's be real. Like he's doing this just to make her jump through hoops. Like he's still going to see the design boards, but he wanted to make her go through that first. Yeah. Which leads me to the question, Lauren, have you ever been to Versailles? I have never been to Versailles. I went with my mom and my stepsister years ago when we went to Paris together as like a girl's trip. Mm-hmm. And my sister was apparently like studying Versailles in school that semester. So she really wanted to go. I'm the type of person where when I go to a new city, I just want to like live in it. And I would rather like just go to places around my hotel, like anywhere that's walking distance. I'll even get on a subway and like go to a different part of town. But like to get to Versailles from where we were, you have to. It was a whole thing. It was like a taxi and then like a shit ton of walking and like a whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I I'm I kind of like rather than standing in line for hours to like finally get inside. And like, of course, like Marie Antoinette's bedroom was in restoration or something. So like they you couldn't even go to like where I think stereotypically you would want to go in Versailles. And listen, it was beautiful. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, it was definitely worth it. But I'm you know, for me, I'd rather Google like I don't need to go to the Louvre and like see the Mona Lisa or something like I can Google that and it's never going to feel the same like standing 500 people away from something. It's just never going to feel the same. And I remember we went for my stepsister and she just was snapping iPhone photos. Like, I don't even, I was like, is she even like taking this in? Like, it was kind of amazing that like we went for her and like, just like watching a child process this, like how quickly she was processing it. Like I was blown away and I definitely am glad that I went, but just so you know, guys, if we ever go on vacation together, I'm not going to the destinations. Okay. I'm really not. I'm, I'm sort of chilling around the general area in which we're staying and trying to live there. Like as much of a citizen as I can, I'm a fraud. I don't like the whole thing. No, I, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. I'm not really big on, especially, especially with my issue with cruises is that the, um, what do you call them? That the, Oh, Oh, like the excursions when you dock for a day and you go on an island. Yeah, it's like I want to I want to like explore the town. I don't want to go take like a like a little bus to go see like a thing. Like I want to see how people live here. Yeah, like I already went to fucking Mexico. I don't need to take a bus like four hours into the town on a bumpy road to go swim with a dolphin. I really don't need that. Like. I already flew across the world. Like, let me just chill in this town. Yes. Like, yeah, that that's exactly how I am, too. And like, so my sister and I have we got vouchers for 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 Europe that, you know, which like, got canceled like because of COVID. But like the, the vouchers are good until probably going to be good until 2023 now. Um, but I was like, can we do like non touristy things like I I, the most touristy thing I do want to, I do want to do is walk Abbey road and take the picture. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't pass up that opportunity. I, it's like just one of those things where like, I would never expect to be all the way on the top of the Eiffel tower. Yeah. 
I don't, ex- I don't see that for myself. Like what I do see is like making a weird friend, like in a cafe by the Eiffel tower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's where that's like my, that's where I come in as a person in terms of like, what's my enrichment experience, but I've never been on a cruise. I would be afraid to get off the boat though. When they dock in like those islands for a day, like I would be afraid to get off the boat. Cause what if they leave me? So they, they're, it's really hard to be left because all the cruise ships sort of leave at the same time. Right. People will start rushing around you. And it's, but uh, I, I have a friend who she lives in New York. She's an executive assistant. She's, she's the most ridiculous person. She um, went on a cruise to the Bahamas with her friends and then met a yachting crew in the Bahamas and stayed with them, didn't get back on the boat and just flew back to New York from like the Nassau airport. See, that's confidence to me. That's like, you're fucking confident if you can do that. It's funny. Her, her, her boyfriend, like, cause she, cause I like brought up that, I ran into her in West Virginia. Um, I went to this thing called like, what's it, is it called the forest festival in like South West Virginia? And and she's from there, which I didn't know because we met at, at school in Tampa. Um, and uh, and so I was like, I was like, I can't believe you did that. Her boyfriend just goes, you're not going to do that again, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm the person that I will always miss out on those opportunities, which I realize is unfortunate. But at least I know when I'm going to get home. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I'm very selective with my risk taking, I guess. So I I don't know if I would have hung out with an all male yachting crew. Right. (laughs) I'd be like, am I Natalie Holloway? Like what's going to happen to me? Yeah. I was like, wow, you didn't get human trafficked like (sighs) wild. And then her, her boyfriend was like this, like Irish dude who's like banned from entering Ireland through Dublin. What? Yeah. (laughs) And um, I don't think she's going to listen to this podcast. Okay, so she's so so at the Forest Festival, like last year, she like leaned actually two years ago. She like leans in. She goes, okay, I have to say this like really quietly because my family is walking around. But like we're married. Oh, my God. (laughs) She met him at a pool in Vegas. And he on and like, yeah, and like he's he's banned from like going back to Ireland. So they got married. He got a green card and and yeah, she's fun. I I love that. I love a secret marriage. Yeah. Like, like she, she, she's like, yeah, I I mean, like every time my parents ask about the ring, I just go, oh, it's supposed to be on my other hand. Like, it's not real diamond. (laughs) Wait a minute. So she's like out there wearing a ring. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. She's a G. I'm obsessed with this person. That is someone that I would so live vicariously through. That's on another level. I'm so jealous of her. And she's like super hot and blonde and stuff. I'm just like, cool. Anything else? Like, why? why? How's the big reveal going to work out? I have no idea. You know, like it's I'm still waiting for the public Instagram post and it still hasn't come up. So. And then, and then, yeah. And then what they're in, they're in some country right now. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? We're in a pandemic. The secondhand nerves. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, 
I'm like, how come I have to be the big titty goth stuck in West Virginia? <laughs> you're, you're horseback riding somewhere in like in like the Indirindex or whatever the hell. Like Adirondacks. Like why? Like, yeah, that that's her new thing now is horseback riding. I'm like, anything else? Yeah. <laughs> Right. No. Yeah. I I feel like I have like interesting friends like that where I'm just like, God, how do you do it? Like I couldn't I could never like I could never have that type of freedom. I don't know what that feels like. Like I'm too involved with my pets to even live a life like that. Like I would be like, but who's watching the cats? Oh, my God. She brings the cat on vacation with her. It's a hairless cat. Oh, that's cute. Okay. That is like the cat version of a chihuahua. So I respect that because like, trust me, like having a chihuahua is great because you can just toss it in a bag and get on a plane (laughs) and it like kind of doesn't know what's going on. But like, what do you do with like real cats? Like I have, I haven't encountered this yet in the world. And you've been sort of like a cat person for me where I've like had questions. I'm like, what do you do? Um, like, what do you what do you do when you go on vacation when you have a cat? You can't like kennel them, right? So you can. You absolutely can. Um, they don't have all of their shots yet, which I've been putting off because we're the, it's hard to get a vet appointment right now. I don't know if yeah. it's like for everybody, but no, here- it's like oh, it's unfortunate, like because it's just as much of a medical facility as anywhere else. Like, I know that sounds insane to say, but like it really it is like they are ju- they are just as strict about keeping their shit di- like tightened down like as anyone else. Um, some places like kind of go by size, some places price by pet. I have been lucky enough to the person who who fostered my cats and then gave them to me, um, they'll gladly come over and play with them, feed them, and gave me one of those nanny cams so I can also just kind of see what they're up to um, when they're not there to, like, feed them and stuff, so. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I do. Just have someone stop by the house. Like, yeah. Blue would be fine in a kennel because he spent like most of his life in a shelter, which is like heartbreaking to even say pigeons a fucking nightmare. Like, I don't know what she would do if I sent her to a kennel. I feel like I'd get a call like 24 hours in. They're like, you got to come get her. But um, the two of them are acclimated to each other. So I hope that if I ever wind up in that position, because I don't like I'm very big on like you got it like. You either got to have like a proper pet sitter or you can't give a shit what happens in your house when your pet yeah. sitter's there. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm very big on like we got one of our last episodes of Please Advise. I don't even think we aired it, but like some girl wrote in saying that she and her partner went on a trip and she left her friend who she knows likes her cat with at her place for the weekend. And when she came back, like the chicken, like smoked all of her weed and there was like dirty dishes and stuff like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to like complain. Like you either leave your pet with like your most stable friend or you roll the dice and just be glad that your pets are alive when you come home. Like, but you're not allowed to complain about dishes and, and weed. True. Yeah. I had someone, watch the cats who is not the person who who normally comes and they left my house like in ruins and I was immediately like well that's what I get 
Yeah, I feel I feel bad saying it because I know that like it's not ideal, but like it's such a big favor to ask. Like to me, that's like it. it's honestly like I feel like I put more care into who I leave with my pets and who my like mom would leave me with for a weekend when I was like 10. So like I kind of am like I really only have like w- like one friend that I truly trust to be alone in my house with my especially Wags was such like he's such a case, you know, he was such a special case that Christine is really the only person I trusted with Wags because he's just um such a pain he was such a pain in the ass that like I couldn't imagine anyone else being able to like handle his attitude and like be responsible enough to like handle it but um with the cats i'm just like they do their own thing 90 percent of the time like i could even leave them alone for a night and i would feel okay but um yeah i've been i've been thinking about that because on the other side of this i definitely need to go home and i'm not putting a fucking 22 cat a 22 pound cat in a bag like flying across the country with him. I just feel like Blue has been through enough. He doesn't need that. All right. So Matthew and Molly are drinking on the couch when Lily gets back from the office. And Lily's like, Mr. Mondavi signed off on everything. And, you know, she definitely, it, it doesn't like hit her until she realizes that they've drained a bottle of wine, that she's not fully comfortable with the fact that her boyfriend and her pen pal have been drinking on the couch for hours. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a threat to her. Like she's very secure in this relationship, but it's like a little weird to think that the two of them housed a bottle of wine together. Yeah, and the and her body language, the way her body was completely turned towards him, and like oh, trust me, oh. oh, I didn't like that either. I was <laughs> like, this is body language one hundred and one. We've all watched the YouTube videos, okay? We know mm-hmm. that's that's sexual body language. So, um, yeah, Lily sees that they've killed like. 85% of this bottle of wine. There's maybe like half a glass left. And Molly's like, do you want some to celebrate? And <laughs> Lily's like, oh, it looks like you drank it all. And Molly says, we were just getting to know each other while you were out. Look what he brought. And she shows Lily the keychains that Matthew made for them. And Lily seems like underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> but like- Molly's like, they're amazing. Pick which one you want. And, and Lily's like, I don't care. Which one do you want? She's like, I want friends. So Molly asks if they're ready for dinner and she goes into the kitchen and this was like unexpected. I didn't expect that Molly would be like cooking dinner for them. Yeah, I didn't expect that either. It still like hits a little weird as I say it. So Matthew and Lily like have this moment and they're kissing on the couch and he asks her how much longer until like Molly leaves and she's like, listen, okay, there's more to it than you know. We just need to set aside some time together, a date night. And he goes, you know, I hate having to schedule it. But Friday is good. And I was like, do you mean schedule sex or a date? I was so mad at that because I was just like, dude, you brought her here. Yes, I know. Right. And like, also, I one of my biggest pet peeves is like when you're like online dating or something and you're like trying to figure it out. And the guy's like, I don't know. Can you like hang out tonight? And it's like, no, I, I certainly fucking can't. Like I can't hang out tonight. Not just like as a rule, but like, I'm not that type of person that's like going to like get up and like shower and get ready for something that night that I wasn't anticipating. Like 
I'm at a place in my life where I like people who can make plans. And yeah. it's like such like it's such like a turnoff when like a guy can't put a date on the calendar for you. It's mm-hmm. like, forget it. Like I've literally told people like, oh, it seems like we have a fundamental difference in our priorities. And I guess it's maybe not going to work out. But w- I hope I hope the best for you. Um, But it's like weird. Like, how dare you be like horny on her couch and then say you don't want to s- schedule a date? Yeah, you brought her here. This is technically your fault. Like, so, yeah, it's like, anyway, I mean, this is maybe that's the a nod to his artist lifestyle. Maybe that's why they chose that odd character thing for him. But Molly comes in. She's like, who's ready for dinner? And she puts down this like charred block of meat. Yeah on a bed of arugula <laughs> which I was like that's just a waste of arugula like arugula is not it's not the cheapest of the greens out there it's not no and um Matthew's like what's that and she's like it's my famous meatloaf and like listen I thought about it a lot because I love meatloaf too okay a well-made meatloaf will take you far in life But that's not like something you surprise people with, nor is it like the first dinner you make for anyone. That's like we're really comfortable around each other. So I'm going to make my meatloaf. Yes, I completely agree. I was like, that's an interesting choice. Like like meat is always an interesting choice because especially especially like to like like everyone likes their meat cooked differently. People can be really picky about it. Um, it can become a whole thing. Like usually the safe choice is pasta. Everyone likes pasta. Like, you know, like that's what you make for people you don't really know that well. But yeah, like you said, like she was like, well, it's like we've been best friends for God knows how long. You know, what's reliable that doesn't seem like it would be is salmon. Oh, yeah. I've never had like terrible salmon at someone's house, but I'm always like when they're like, come over, we're having salmon. I'm like, oh, God, like I got to prepare myself for that. And then it's never really that bad. I feel like salmon is a fair go to. But um, yeah, like baked meat is a lot to just spring on someone for yeah. sure. Oh, and it's so charred. So, yeah, that's that's the best thing. Like it could either snap like when it's that charred or it's going to be awful. Like whatever's going on with the spices has to be very good for it to be that dark. So Lily's relaxing in the bathtub when she looks up and she sees that Molly's like sitting on top of the toilet tank, just like staring at her in the bathtub, which is like my biggest nightmare. Um And she's like, I'm not like a naked person. You know, there's like a lot of naked people that just like are like, oh, I don't care if my friend's in here while I'm bathing. I'm not that person. Like, I don't want my friend to see me naked. I yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, And I feel like I feel like Lily's like that, too, if I had to venture a guess. But she's you know, she's chill and she's like, what's going on? And she says that Molly says that Brandon found her. And she's like, who the fuck is Brandon? She's like, my boyfriend, Brandon, he found me. He like found my phone number, um, everything. And Lily's like, well, what did he do? And Molly says that he's been spamming her emails every day. And now he has her new phone number. And she just talked to him and he sounded crazy and obsessed. 
And Lily's like, did you ever mention this to the police? And Molly's like, they won't do anything. And Lily says, you got to get this on record, like get a restraining order. He hit you. You must have pictures, all of these emails. And Molly's like, it's not that simple. If you found my number, he can find out where I'm staying. Do you even get that? He's going to kill me. Like I'm, I'm not sure it works that way. Like, I'm not sure this, you know, Brandon character can like tap into the cell towers and find her location. Right. That that whole uh, that whole scene like bothered me because like, I mean, it always bothers me in like in really in anything in pop culture when the character is like pretending to like have been like assaulted or like hit or something. So I'm so I was sitting there thinking like, OK, so what is this elaborate lie for? Right. Right. I mean, the only thing that makes sense is she's trying to extend her stay there. But like. My response to, you know, he's going to come kill me is like, can we put you in a safe place? Yeah. Like, can it be not at my house? Because not just because I don't want that in my life, but because like there's no one's going to protect you in Lily's apartment. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I don't know why, like Lily was under the impression that she took pictures of this like bruising or whatever that may have happened. Like that seemed like a logical leap to me as well as like that the police would do anything about this. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, it was very like, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like when you, when you tell like a parent who like doesn't really get stuff like, Oh, like this happened. And then they kind of list like what they think is like the logical like thing to do when in reality it's like hey well the logical thing doesn't always work mom right Uh. and i will say i think this movie generally is very like it's like almost jarring how in sync uh, in sync it is with like the present moment where i feel like for the most part this movie is not like oh god like that's you know not a current reference or like why would a girl say that like not even in 2017 was the internet like that but like the one thing that was missing from this for me was like Lily being like, oh, well, of course the cops won't do anything like yeah. <laughs> what's the next what's the next thing? So Lily tells her that she's safe there. She has her. She has Matthew. She has her family. You know, did they know about Brandon? And Molly says she doesn't know, but she wishes she could make them understand. And Lily's like, listen, I know it's hard, but you got to talk to someone like a professional or go to a support group, like maybe at a support group. You can just go and listen if you're not ready to talk. And Molly's like, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. I might look into it. So she's like, you're a good friend. Get back to your bath. Sorry, the water is getting cold. And mm, don't like that. So Molly's on the phone in the living room when Lily gets out of the bath. And she's telling someone that she knows there are other women like her, but she's scared. Can I come and see you? And whoever she's talking to responds with like, you know, this is a conflict of interest. She's like, I know it's a conflict of interest, but I would appreciate a reference. Thanks, Mrs. Anderson. And Lily's like, Mrs. Anderson, were you talking to my mom? And Molly's like, yeah, you told me to talk to a psychologist. And she's like, I didn't mean my mom. And Molly goes, relax. Okay. Your mom said it would be a conflict of interest. She's just going to send some info and help me find some support groups. And Lily's like, I really would have appreciated if you had talked to me about that first that would have been a huge boundary issue for me and again this might be only child shit because maybe people from like larger families are less precious about their parents but 
I would have been like, what the what the fuck do you mean? You called my mom. Yeah, I would have. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, this girl who I like used to be like, quote unquote, best friends with one of the one of those situations where like you think you have a best friend, but it turns out the entire time they've like hated you and like wanted to wear your skin. Oh, yeah. She texted my dad and I was just like, you texted Bob? Like, for what? Like, like what? Like, I was so I was like so mad. I don't know. Yeah, because it's like that's my family. And like it it like especially like. I don't think you would have like felt that way if she was really. Someone you trusted, you know, Mm -hmm. like something in your uterus told you that's fucking weird. She's texting my dad. Yeah, like she she like knocked on the door and she was like, Bob's worried about you. Oh, I would hate that. Yeah. And I was just like, um, because I yeah. like that my friends are like close with my mom. But if it was something like this, I would feel uncomfortable and felt like they went over my head. Yeah, it was just like it, now. And then I mean, and then I had contacted like her mother, like at like one time where like I was but I was genuinely concerned for like her safety. And I didn't want to go into her apartment because, like, I just didn't want to be in a potentially dangerous situation, like, because, like, I I don't know. But but she but she threw that in my face. She was like she was like because she's an alcoholic and like telling like a parent that she's an alcoholic. Was she, she was like, you ruined my life. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I mean. It's tough. It's tough when you have to, like reach out and Lily does this very well later on I will say mm-hmm. I even like wrote down the email she wrote because I was like that is such a well balanced way of of wording this situation like this should be a, a model for how you reach out to someone else's parent when they need help mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so Lily calls Matthew to confirm their date later and um, Matthew's like but wait did you make the reservation for two or three like, does Molly expect to join? And Lily's like, she's not like, hopefully she understands the concept of a date. Like, I know she's needy, but she's not a bad person. And he admits, like, maybe he's a little bit jealous. Again, his fault <laughs> that he yeah. brought this person into her life. And she's like, don't worry about it. You know, I'm, ge- she, I'm getting her the help she needs. And hopefully she'll be going back to her life soon, which is like, that's intense. Like, if I was Matthew, I'd be like, what's going on at that house? Like, what do you mean the help she needs like she was supposed to be there for your birthday party (laughs) this has been when they'll reference it later that this has been like a month that this has been going on so like that's quite a while and um they hang out and matthew just or they hang up rather and matthew just sort of like spaces out for a moment thinking about this whole molly thing and i love it when they do that when they give like a side character like a a slightly long moment of reflection Uh so Molly's getting ready in the mirror when Lily comes out of her room ready for her date. And she's like, have you seen my other black shoe? Molly's like, oh, yeah, check by the couch. And it seems like Lily's just feels like her her life is a mess, basically. Like if her shoe was in the living room, that implies to me that Molly's been like deep in her closet. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, And Molly's like, you look really great. And uh, Lily's like, yeah, thanks. And she's like, at this moment, Molly goes over to Lily's purse and takes out her phone 
and she texts Matthew, touch me under the table. I laughed like, but then I was like, damn, that's like, she's like, so, so what she knows that like Lily's like not down for that kind of thing. So she intentionally created like an uncomfortable scenario for her because why? Yeah. Like there's a lot going on there. Like what was the payoff of that? Like, was she hoping that they would break up over it because it would be such a violation? And like, she's also not good at like being stealthy with this shit. Like she doesn't even delete the text after she sends it. But Lily never keys into it. Right. (laughs) Again, like not to blame the victim, but sometimes with these lifetime girls, I'm like, come on, like do better. So Lily's like, you know, um, have you seen my necklace? And Molly's like, no, I'm on my way to the support group your mom recommended. And Lily says, hope it helps. And she goes, I'll tell you when it gets back. Hope it helps was, oof, that hit me pretty hard. Yeah, that's that's like an okay, well. That's like a be well or a get well soon. Like when someone drops a get well soon on you out of nowhere, it's like, what the fuck? There's a there's a quote from um from Always Sunny. Oh my God, where where D's like, well, Bill, take care of yourself or whatever people say. <laughs> it's like what like the implication is massive with that. Um, so Lily meets Matthew at this restaurant and she's like, I need a drink. And she takes this like big gulp of sake and he's like, what's going on? She's like, I'm just, I can't even breathe with Molly coming in and out. And now the necklace is misplaced because Molly's shit is everywhere. And Matthew's like, I didn't realize it was so bad. Um, you've been a great friend to her, you know, you guys just got to talk. And he tells her that he, you know, you take care of everyone. Molly, Mrs. Blankenship, me, someone needs to take care of you. And he asks her to move in with him. They can get a new place that belongs to both of them. And he can make her all the necklaces she's ever wanted. And she's like, yes. And she leans in for a kiss. And he starts to touch her under the table. And she's like, what are you doing? Like, she was so sober in that moment that I was like, fuck, like, this is really not okay with her. The actress did a good job letting us know that that was so out of character. So she's, um, you know what? He's like, oh, I'm sorry that we were doing a thing. And she tells him, you know what? Let's skip dinner and go back to your place. And he's like, that's fine with me. And he's like, but we can't go to my place because like there's scrap metal everywhere. I'm an artist. And like, by the way, though, like. Dude, like you're 23, like you guys are like 23, like you can get into some shit. Like, it's okay if there's scrap metal around. Like, is there a mattress? Like, that's most important. Are you sleeping on a pile of scrap metal or is there a mattress at your place? Like, but she says, okay, well, we can go to mine and like, hopefully Molly won't be there when we get back. So they have this like, (laughs) I don't know if they needed to like kill some time, but this sex scene seems to go on for like way too long for me and of course molly is in the doorway watching on during all of it so after they're done hooking up matt comes out of the bathroom and sees lily standing in front of the fridge in her robe and he starts kissing her neck and her shoulder and the camera flips around and we see that it's actually molly and she has some new extensions that looks exactly like lily's hair Mm -hmm. and lily comes in and sees it and she freaks out And it's this like whole moment where Matthew's like, I didn't know it was you. And Lily's like, how could you not know it's me? And he says, like, this is insane. And Molly's like, I'm not insane. 
<laughs> she and Lily's just basically like, you need to go home. And then she, you know, she and Molly are alone and Molly's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, he's so like, I'm sorry he was like that. Like, you know, and Lily's like, what the fuck is up with your hair, dude? And she was like, I thought you would like it. You always known I wanted long hair. And she's like, you need to go too, probably like I'm going to I'm going to figure out my life tonight. So. Before she leaves, she says, you didn't even go to the support group, did you? And she turns around. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a dramatic moment. I mean, this scene is a lot to take in. The fact that she went out and got her hair, like, where is Molly getting the money? Like, if you have money for $4,000 worth of extensions, which those would realistically be, meanwhile, it's just a bad wig. But like, it's not cheap to go have that much yardage put on your hair, nor is it quick like you would never be able to get those extensions put in during what would be an emotional support groups span of time yes i agree and i oh man like i don't know what it is with lifetime and just not investing in lace front wigs but they just they just never invest in a nice lace front where the hairline is blended i know i know like i don't yeah i don't know what that is either i really i don't know what that is because it makes no sense like it's almost I feel that way about like when they do dress reveals too when they're like this is the dress I'm like just throw money at one thing like throw money at the extensions this is a big plot point it's worth it or like go get a lace front go get a great wig like it's going to be there for the rest of the movie so Molly spots Lily's phone on the floor while Lily's like packing up her shit in her bedroom and she brings it into the bathroom with her. So Lily is, you know, leaving and she um, passes Mrs. B in the hallway and Mrs. B like she doesn't even say anything to her. She's just like out the door with her bag and Molly looks down at her from the top of the stairs like, what are you going to do about it? Like old dementia lady like she's. Just like her, if looks could kill, like I, I'm afraid of her. I'm afraid of Molly. So Molly uses Lily's phone to text Matthew, who's called her a bunch and sent her text apologizing. And she writes, lose my number. It's over. Which is totally not Lily's voice. Like if I was Matthew, I wouldn't know something's wrong. Yeah. 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 I agree. I just don't understand how Matthew didn't key into any of it the whole time. Right. Like all of this is like when when Lily said, like, you know, she'll be leaving soon, like she's getting the help she needs. Like if I was Matthew, I'd be like, rewind. Like, what do you mean the help she needs? Like, I thought if anything, she was just like staying on the couch too long. Like, this is absurd that this has gone from birthday visit to now we've got to get Molly into some sort of program. And I would feel guilty if I were Matthew because I brought her there. I'd be like, come stay with me. Like, we'll figure it out. I'll clean up some scrap metal and like, you can stay with me for the week and just let her like live out of your place. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So Lily's at her mom's house and she's trying to play it off. Like this was just some like random decision to come spend the night there and she can't find her phone. And it's sort of just like the straw that, breaks the camel's back for her she's just like this couldn't be any worse and her mom asked her what's going on and lily gives in 
And she says that she's just so tired and that living with Molly has been tough. And her mom says that some people are just hard to live with no matter how much you care about them. And Lily's like, yeah, but it's hurting our relationship too. It's hurting my relationship with Matthew too. And her mom's like, well, you got to figure it out. Like as bad as it sounds, sometimes you have to choose between two people. Molly's not your responsibility. And maybe you should reach out to her parents to help get her some help. So Lily goes into work on Monday and Gordon is sitting on the new girl's desk, kind of flirting. And surprise, surprise, the new girl is none other than Molly. She went and got her job. And like, we're going to play this scene. I will say, though, like for I will say as a Capricorn, this would break me. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, I don't know why this would be the most offensive thing she could do, but like going and getting the same job as me and sitting across from me at my desk would be the biggest violation out of all of this, let alone like, you know, making out with my boyfriend. No, no, no. It's the job. 4954 to 5221. Hey, I saw Molly in the office this morning. I thought she was you. So I started talking to her about the Mandavi project. <laughs> You look like sisters. It's happening a lot lately. Hey, Lil, guess what? Gordon offered me a job today. Really? Yes. I just wanted his opinion on my previous work, so I brought in some photos. Have you seen these, Lily? They're really good. We could use someone like her on the team to help with all the new clients. New clients? Since you're meeting with Mondavi, he's been telling all his friends about you, about our group. It's just like I told you. They've been calling, wanting their homes redecorated, but there's enough so we could really use another person to help take on the new projects. Isn't that great? It is great. Lily, help Molly get settled in. Sure. Hey, how are you feeling? What are you doing? What do you mean? First the hair, now the job. I thought you'd be happy for me. I'm, I'm taking control of my life. You're taking control of my life. What's changed between us? I thought things were going really well. Living with my best friend has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. I thought you felt the same way. You know, I'm not close with my sister. You're the closest thing I have to family. We're still friends. I've got my own stuff going on. If we're gonna work together, if you're gonna stay in Seattle, you have to find your own place. Okay. I understand. Just please don't think I'm not grateful for everything that you've done for me. Have you talked to Matthew since last night? my phone. You haven't seen it at the apartment, have you? No, I don't think so. But I do have your keys. You grabbed mine by mistake. You're the best. She's the best. Like on her keychain. Molly's the friends. She's the best. Mm -hmm. 
so manipulative. Like, oh man, like just the, the the language. The this has been like the best experience that's like ever happened to me living with my best friend. Damn, rewriting history like as it's happening is crazy. Like it's beyond gaslighting. Like I don't even know if I would know what to do in that situation. No, and 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 Molly knows that like this this is kind of how to get to Lily. It's like to she knows which aspects to prey on. And Lily is still like controlled and like calm enough. Like I would have been I would have been th- security would have had to remove me from the office. <laughs> totally. Like I would have been in Gordon's office being like she's a psycho. Don't hire her. Like I would have gone to Gordon first probably and been like get her take her out of the building. Like have security leader down but like you know lily's also on day three without a phone and is sort of chugging along so to speak and molly has lily's phone and is matthew is texted to see if lily got the flowers that he sent and molly sends him a photo of the flowers in the trash and lily picks up her office phone to call matthew but he is like grinding something metal and doesn't hear the phone ringing so she opens her laptop and she writes an email and you guys pay attention because this is the most to the point but respectful and like at least under the guise of caring that something could possibly be. She writes, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Cumberland, I'm a childhood friend of your daughter, Molly. Molly's been staying with me in Seattle for several weeks now. I care about her a lot, but it's clear that she needs some psychological help beyond what I can give her as a friend. She really needs her family now, Lily. Great Mm -hmm. email. 10 out of 10 email. Yeah, really respectful and, and to the point. I appreciated it because I would have been I mean, I couldn't help but like put some flair on that. Like you can't trust me with an email and it like things get hairy, you know. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. B is watching TV in her apartment when Lily comes in to visit her and Lily's holding her shoes and drops them in the doorway of the living room. Fifty three fifty to fifty four thirty nine. Hi, Mrs. B. Oh, hi, Lily. I was just going to start watch judge in court. I saw you were running low on cookies, so I picked you up some. Oh, I like cookies. Maybe you should take Matthew some cookies. That's not a bad idea. (gasps) My favorite. (sighs) I really like that boy. Me too. Oh my, I think I think my show's starting. Judge and court. Fucking love it. I love it. I love judge and court. Me too. Me too. It's so great that she is that kind of person. I mean, Lily's showing up for Mrs. B, even when everything is going wrong in her life. She's like, I brought you some cookies. Let's sit together on these chairs that don't look particularly comfortable and watch this hour long drama together. Yeah. That's a selfless person. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I again, love how excited she gets about the show. It's so cute. Like, God, I mean, you know, I just hope I'm a cute old lady that likes cookies in my show. Me too. Me too. I feel like I'm going to be like insufferable, though. Something tells me. It's scary, right? Because like you have to be 
kind of great as an old person, especially like, God, when I look at people like older people in L.A., I think the first time I saw like a woman on the east side, like carrying her bundles up the hill, like going over this huge hill. Like, I just remember like turning to my best friend and like crying and being like, I can't be old here. Like, I can never be old here. Like, it just is like it's way too easy to get lost in the mix. My um, <laughs> my mom always says. So my mom is she's nearing sixty. She's fifty. She's fifty eight. You know, and my mom too. Yeah, she's always like, "Ew, who wants to be 70? She's like, <laughs> "She's like, I hope I'm dead at sixty five. I'm like, "Mom, yeah." It's tough. It's tough, especially because like you would think your mom would have grown out of that by now. Because like once you turn. I would say turning 25 is pretty like scarring, like because you're like, oh, I'm officially 25. Like that's old. But then like once you turn 30, you're sort of like, I can't fight aging anymore. Like my life is starting to get like slightly better. Like I can't hate on this whole aging thing. (laughs) But your mom dissing 70 (laughs) at 58 is pretty hilarious to me. She's always like, don't tell your father I'm saying this because my dad is nearing 70. And she's like, I don't. I just don't want I just can't I don't want to do it well tell your mom sadly life expectancy is just going up and up so she probably is going to get to like 90 so I had a a um oh it wasn't just any psychic so uh there is a like store in Boynton Beach Florida and it is I run- know Boynton Beach my family used to have a house there yeah, my late grandmother had a house there. Um, I can't think of his full name, but he was one of John Lennon's spiritual advisors. And that's kind of like the whole draw for like the shop. And when I went in, he like read my whole life and he was like, yeah, you know, when you're older and married, you're going to have to. I'm not sure if it's going to be your mother or your husband's mother, but so- someone's going to be in a wheelchair needing to be taken care of. And I told my mom then she was like, God, kill me. Yeah, mom, (laughs) it's really something like, you know, uh, we're definitely getting older. When my mom redid her house, she was like, I wanted to make sure that the upstairs was like had everything I need, because when I'm older, like I'm not going to be able to do the stairs. And I was like, I couldn't help it. I was like, ew, like I. I just had this like guttural reaction at the idea of like my mom being so old, she couldn't go up and down the stairs. And like, I don't mean that because like my whole life I've had old people around me. And like, if anything, I probably go out of my way to station them in my life. But like, it was something like that just, it like overcame me that it was even like in her thoughts that someday she might be so old that she has to make sure everything is on the first floor of her house. Like Mm -hmm. it just is not how I think, you know, it like, if anything, I was like, so I have this like scale that's like sponsoring the show and like you weigh yourself every day and it like tells you everything about like your body or whatever. And apparently my metabolic age is like slightly younger than I am now. And I was like, how do I get like even younger though? Like instead of fixating on like 
how much do I weigh? I'm like, how can I make myself metabolically younger? <laughs> That's something I'm interested in. I didn't even realize, I didn't even know that was like a thing. Cause I also would assume that like, if I was to have my metabolic age read, it would be like, Oh, like 98. <laughs> I thought I would truly, it would be like, girl, you're 60. Like I had no idea you could like figure out how old your body is that's crazy to me okay so now i now i want to do that okay another rabbit hole to go down i'll send you the link so (laughs) use code mother may i okay so (laughs) lily um you know locks mrs b in for the night after judging court and she runs into molly in the hallway and molly's wearing the red dress that they bought when they're together so like her confidence has gone up okay this is a dress she didn't even think she deserve to own previously. And she says she's going out for drinks with one of the clients uh, Gordon passed on to her. I would be fuming. (laughs) I would be fuming. And she invites her to come, but Lily says she just wants to go to bed. So Matthew, like Lily goes upstairs and Matthew comes in the front door of the building and Molly blocks the stairs and he tells her to move, but she's like, nope. And she's like, you know, Lily told you it's over. So, you know, you got to, you got to go. And he's like, you can't stop me from going upstairs. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll call the police. I'll tell them you physically harassed me. And she grabs her arm and she like demonstrates for him how good she would be at making people believe her. If he, and he, the way she, she yells, ow, ow, I go it's like, oh, my God, it's psycho. Like, it's really like unnerving. There was another Lifetime movie that I did, I think, this year where a girl did that. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's harrowing. Like just hearing someone like practice something that's supposed to be so like animalistic, like it's like crazy. So um, he's like, why are you doing this? And she's like, Lily doesn't need you anymore. Take a hint. And he goes, well, you can't be here all day. So I'll be back. And Molly takes out Lily's phone and starts to text. And Mrs. B opens the door and looks at Molly for a beat and then closes it. And Lily's trying to get some laundry done upstairs and she's like frustrated as she's taking the pillowcases off of Molly's couch bed and something falls out of one of the pillowcases. It's the necklace that Matthew made her. And then right then she hears the front door open and she realizes, oh shit, Molly's back. So she hides the necklace behind her back and, you know, God bless her. Like, this is clearly someone who's not skilled at lying in any way or sneaking or doing anything like that. Cause like she couldn't more obviously be hiding something behind her back. And Molly's like, Oh, I forgot my jacket. And, um, Lily's like, Oh, okay. And Lily's like, what do you, what do you have there behind your back? And she's like, nothing. And Molly grabs her hand and she's like, Oh, you found your necklace. That's great. Where was it? Which is. Oof. Mm-hmm. She's like, tell me where you found it. (laughs) So (laughs) Lily's like, oh, I just found it on the ground. I must have dropped it. Or Lily says she found it on the ground. She must have dropped it. And Molly's like, well, Matthew's going to be so happy you found it. I'm thrilled for both of you. Um, She grabs her jacket and heads out. And when she's making her way down the stairs, she gets a text from Matthew. And um, apparently when Molly was on her phone downstairs earlier, Uh, she texted him asking if she could come over and this is Matthew's reply telling her like, yeah, come over now. So she writes back, I'm on my way. So Lily writes Matthew an email saying that she lost her phone and she hopes that he sees this email because she needs to come over and talk to him. So Lily knocks on Matthew's door, but he doesn't answer and she finds a receipt and a pen in her purse and writes a quick note saying she stopped by and she needs to 
talk to him tomorrow. It's urgent. So she slips the note under his door and leaves. And inside of his apartment, someone picks up the note and it starts to play that song the I did a bad, bad thing song. Yeah. That they, I guess, license like fucking crazy. Like that song is the most licensed song I've ever heard. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's Molly. She's in the apartment. And when she crosses over to the other side of the apartment, we see Matthew is dead on the floor in a pool of blood. And Molly picks up the knife she used to stab him and like examines it for a moment before tossing it on his workbench. So who knew she had it in her? I mean, I know she killed her sister. I said, I was like, I know the movie's called dying to be you, but damn, I did not expect that. That's like really like we've escalated. Like you killed your sister in the bathtub. That's really bad. And now you're just out like free range stabbing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was like, no, damn. I mean, I thought Matthew was kind of annoying, but no, damn. I mean, like, yeah, if you're trying to (laughs) if you're trying to steal Lily, like Matthew's annoying. But in general, I would say Matthew's a pretty tolerant and kind guy. Right. Like he really did not deserve this. He got himself killed. So in the morning, Gordon asks Lily if she's okay, And she's like, I'm worried about Matthew. He hasn't been responding to my calls or emails. And he tells her that artists can get really focused on their work and they forget about everything. So maybe it's just something like that. And Gordon tells her, Matthew's crazy about you. And she thanks him for comforting her. And he points out that someone left her a gift. Now, like, let's get into like the logistics for a moment of. This girl has been without her work phone for like three days. Like Gordon doesn't hasn't even registered that she's not on like email, that she's not like answering phones. Like yeah. it's kind of insane that she hasn't gotten a phone yet. So she opens up this gift and it's a note from Molly saying like, you know, thank you for everything you've done. This is my token of gratitude for everything. And she opens the box and there's a phone. I was unclear on whether or not it's like her regular phone or if it's a new phone. Could you? tell i i thought i figured it was a new phone because why would you gift someone their phone back right yeah but it also had like the same case i mean i guess they couldn't show the phone because it's probably an iphone but i don't know so just at that moment molly's walking a new client through the office and telling her how much she's gonna love the living room she's designing for her and a little later lily's in the kitchen making herself a cup of coffee when Gordon and two detectives come in. So the detectives say that they need to talk to Lily about Matthew. And she asks them if he's still missing. And they're like, what? And she says, like, she's, you know, went by to see him last night, but he wasn't home. And they tell her, well, actually, he was home, but he was dead. He was <laughs> found in the morning by the cleaning lady. Um, it's these cops are really unprofessional. Like, I'm just going to say that even for lifetime, these cops are like spilling all sorts of information that anyone who's watched one episode of judge in court. I mean, Mrs. Blankenship can tell you that they're not running a good scene over there. So, um, they're like, yeah, you know, he, the maid found him this morning and Lily drops her coffee cup. And the ceramic shatters and they do a close up on the mug breaking and you can see a sliver of the ceramic like in her foot and like her coffee is like coffee's like everywhere. Like I was just thinking of like, you got to throw those shoes away after that. 
Like there's no way your shoe is ever not going to smell like coffee again. I got that's what you thought. I just went, wow, they really went in for the drama. Like, you know, the director was like, all right, and Zoom and, and oh, perfect. Yes. Well, I think like, I mean, I definitely, you know, recognized the sort of dramatic element of focusing in on this coffee cup and everything it symbolized. But also I just was like, this is I can see ceramic on her foot. Like, did they really just break a coffee cup next to this actress's foot? I always wonder how they film things like that. Cause it's not like they really have like the budget to do it super safely. Right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the detectives interview Lily in a meeting room and Gordon stays with her to make sure that she's okay. He's almost like acting as her attorney in this scene. Mm-hmm. And she's having some trouble focusing. Let's play 142 to 10405. Miss Anderson. Miss Anderson. Lily. I'm sorry for your loss. I know that this is a big shock, but I'm afraid we have to ask you some questions. Can't you give her a minute? Time is critical right now. I'll try to help. Your boyfriend was stabbed a total of seven times between the hours of 9 and 11 p.m. last night. I realize this is difficult to hear. Can you tell us where you were during that time? At home? Then I went to Matthew's around 11 o'clock. I wanted to talk to him. Do you recognize this? I left that for him last night. This places you at the scene at the approximate time of the murder. You think I would write a note, slip it under the door, then come in and hurt Matthew? You say you slid it under the door? I put it under the door, and then I left. We found it on the workbench. Hmm. Maybe Matthew read it. Or maybe the killer. What did you want to talk to Matthew about? I was upset about some issues I've been having with my roommate. What kind of issues? She's a friend who's been staying with me, indefinitely. At least I thought she was a friend. Not so sure anymore. We're going to need to speak to your roommate. Molly Cumberland. She actually works in the office here. Are we done? Mm. Yeah, for now. Let's stay in town, okay? We, uh... We may have more questions. Can I go to my parents? Where are they? The suburbs. It should be fine. Leave us your information so we can reach you. Do you know what I'm about to nitpick about? I thought that's a goof because her she only has one parent. Yes. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. Like I went down a like mental spiral because I was like, I know sometimes you like to just shorten things so that people don't ask too many questions. But like Lily's never probably had like a conscious memory of both of her parents. So why wouldn't she just stay at my mom's house? Yeah. Yeah. 
So that had to be just like an error in the script because yeah, I'm I and I I like rewinded to make sure like I heard that right too. Here's a thought. I think that possibly she was supposed to have a dad and they rewrote that so that they didn't have to cast a dad. Yeah, that's possible. Because I feel like that's a good way for a director to give Lily like some sort of problem. Uh-huh. And it also like gets rid of a whole person that would have been cast. Like, where would the dad have even fit into this? If like he's like a goofy guy in the greenhouse that's in the back of Lily's house, because Lily's house is like, again, this is like why I, I referred to her as like sort of privileged or someone I would have been jealous of earlier. Like, she has like a cute little room, and she has like a greenhouse attached to the house where her mom's outside doing like gardening and. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, kind of like a nice situation. So Gordon like, tells her, you know, he'll drive her himself. He's going to drive her out there. Yeah, he's daddy. And um, he drops her off and her mom greets her with a big hug. And Lily runs inside and Gordon talks to her mom for a moment. And he says that the police have determined it's a homicide. Um, It's like it's it's pretty clear that Lily's not a suspect, even though she should be, because like technically the texts that the last texts he received are coming from Lily's phone and Mm -hmm. everything implies that she's on her way over. The main saving grace she has is that she sent that email that was sent from like a different IP address than her phone. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think these two idiots have been doing like forensic detective work. Nope. These cops are bad. So he tells, um, you know, his mom that he doesn't know if anyone knew who could actually do this. And her mom's like, listen, all right, Lily's probably never going to recover from this, but at least she's home now. And Molly called earlier and said she would take care of the apartment while she was gone. Gordon tells her Lily can take all the time she needs. Her job will be waiting for her when she comes back. So. Molly's closing the door to Mrs. B's apartment when the detectives come down the stairs from Lily's apartment. And she tells them she's Molly. She was just watering the neighbor's plants for them while they're out of town. Now, you and I know that would never happen. No. So they ask her, you know, you know, they need to know some questions about Matthew. So she says, you know, this is such a tragedy. And the detectives ask, you two are roommates. And Molly's like, we're more than that. We're best friends. When her heart breaks, so does mine. I feel terrible for her. And again, like decent detectives would have been like, she's not on the lease. Like, who is she? When did she come to town? Like, it's, it's like, this is something that could be cleared up in like one day. Right. So The detective says that Lily says that she went over to Matthews around 11 p.m. Can she corroborate that? And Molly says that she knew that she wanted to talk to him. She was out for the night, but Lily said she wanted to see him and she thinks Lily may have texted him. And Matthew and Lily were apparently having some sort of trouble, but she wanted to make up. And they asked what kind of trouble. And Molly says that Matthew was sweet, but he had a wandering eye. He even made a pass at her once. Lily knew, but she had a hard time accepting it. The detective says that this couldn't have been easy. And Molly's like, listen, okay, things were tough for a while, but now they're so much better. And they ask her if she's ever confronted Matthew for flirting with her. And she's like, yeah, you know, I did. He called me insane and he tried to drive a wedge between us, but we're like sisters. 
this isn't even a viable story and they're not suspicious enough of her. Like this is like an, an, this is like not real. Like if I was listening to someone tell me this story, I'd be like, but what about this? But what about that? Also, it seems like Molly's trying to frame Lily, but also clearly that's like not in her best interest to frame Lily because like that's her whole existence right now. Yes. Yeah, I was like, she tried to pin, and then I, but luckily the cop sort of like, like some gears start turning. Yeah. And, and they think it's fishy. I'm like, finally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's like, it sounds like you were rooting for them to fail. And she's like, what kind of monster do you think I am? I've only wanted the best for Lily, and Matthew being dead is not what's best for her. And the detective's like, you're lucky to, you know, she's lucky she has a friend like you. And she's like, you're right. And they tell her before they leave, like, they're like, don't leave town. And by the way, where were you last night? And she's like, oh, this bar on Ashland, Boone's or Bowser's, a million people must have seen me there. I think that that's kind of smart to not know the name of the bar that you went to last night. That's like actually not a bad tactic. Yeah, no, that that yeah, that 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 seems like real realistic to me. But I thought they were going to press at least a little bit more. Yeah, like it's a lot of like sort of sweeping emotional statements and not necessarily like logistics. Like I'd be like, when was the fight? When did he hit on you? Like those are really more relevant. And also like when, like who did you go out with? Who did, you know, like. Like make him seem like some sort of like man whore. You know what I mean? If you're Molly, like I would be like, oh, he had a wandering eye. He. For all we know, like he was seeing someone Lily even wanted to go over because she had a suspicion he was cheating on her, like really open the floodgates, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lily's mom serves her some soup and crackers and she's like, I'm sad, mom, I'm not sick. And her mom's like, listen, I know, but you got to start to talk about this. And Lily says nothing's the same. And her mom's like, you still have your job, your friends, your family. And Lily's like, but what was that like for him to get murdered? Like. Did he know the person? It all feels so sad and murky, which I thought was a good way to put it. Yeah. And her mom grabs her arm and says that she may never get the answers she wants, but to focus on the good times they had and how much he loved her. And the doorbell rings and she's like, are you expecting one? And her mom's like, no. So she goes to get the door. Of course, it's fucking Molly. Mm-hmm. And she tells Lily that she wants to check up on her. And Lily's mom leaves him to talk for a moment. And Lily's like, what do you want? And Molly's like, is there anything I can do for you? And Lily's like, can you bring Matthew back? No. Okay, then leave me alone. And Molly tells her that she shouldn't be alone right now. And Lily responds by asking her if she found a place to move yet. Molly's like, how could I move? My best friend needs me more than ever. And Lily says, if she doesn't move, then she will. So Molly says, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll start to pack. When will you be back? And he's like, I don't know, a couple of days. Like, I I feel like for someone who's taking over her life, Molly expects Lily to have a lot more answers. Like, she's manipulating this whole situation and making Lily do a lot of work. Like, it is actually kind of little sister behavior. Yeah, I agree. So... Um, she goes, oh, and by the way, I stopped by to see Mrs. B yesterday and the music gets all intense. And Lily's like, what? She's like, you were right about her. You know, once you get to know her, she's such a sweet lady. She was so sorry to hear about Matthew and extended a hello to you. And Lily's like, is she okay? And Molly's like, you don't have to worry about her. Just take care of you, Lily. 
I mm. would be so mad if I found out that Molly had told Mrs. B that my boyfriend died. That and, and the first thing I thought in that moment was like, oh, my God, that old lady's dead. She's dead for sure. And also, like, that's not your business to tell. Like, mm-hmm. Mrs. B had her own set of feelings about Matthew. Mm-hmm. She hates you. I probably would have been like, she fucking hates you. Yeah, I'm su- and I'm surprised Lily, again, showed restraint and was still way too calm. I would have been throwing hands. She's not like you and me, girl. She's not like you and me. <laughs> Lily's existing on a different level. I can. I think we can agree you and I would have handled that a lot fucking differently. So yeah. Lily starts to panic and calls Mrs. Blankenship. And poor Mrs. B is tied up in her apartment with tape over her mouth. And she like tries to get up and like hop her way over to the phone. But she topples over. So Lily checks her email and sees one from Robert and Catherine Cumberland. And it says... In all caps, I don't know who the hell you are, but this is a pretty sick trick. Molly would have never had a friend who mocked her death. Don't ever contact us again or we'll call the police. (laughs) And I do want to meme this email. I really do, because like it's just so perfect for me. Molly would have never had a friend who mocked her death. (laughs) It sounds like a kind of email that like I would write irrationally. Like I know where Beth gets it from now. So. Lily starts to panic and Googles Molly's obituary. And sure enough, she died mysteriously in a drowning accident. And the message boards and comments are all saying that this murder, it's probably a murder. It's totally suspicious. Um, And then they flash back briefly to the girl who was drowned in the opening scene. So Gordon's looking at Molly's work in the office and he's like, you have a great eye. And Molly says she was wondering who's taking over the Mondavi account now that Lily's gone. And Gordon's like, I figured I would take it on personally. And then when Lily returns, she can pick up where she left off. And Molly's like, well, I know you have a lot on your plate. So if you ever need any help, I'd be happy to take over the Mondavi account myself. And Gordon's like, oh, that's not necessary. Molly says she's not too sure. You know, she saw Lily that morning. She doesn't think she's going to be coming back on the timeline. He says, you know, Lily said she was talking about like taking her life, basically. Um, And she doesn't want the other clients to suffer. That's what she said. She goes, I don't want the clients to suffer, which is such weird wording because it's like, I don't think any rich person hiring an interior designer is like necessarily suffering. Like, that's not the word I would use. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I don't want the clients to suffer. How about your friend, your supposed best friend? Aren't you worried about her current suffering? Like, what kind of language is that? I really think it was the word suffer that pushed Gordon over the edge because like as soon as she leaves the office, Gordon looks up Anders Spindle, the place that Molly said she worked at, and he takes out the photos that she turned in with her application and the designs like (laughs) this bitch like literally printed out the homepage of Anders Spindle and handed it in as her own work. And so Gordon Mm -hmm. picks up the phone and makes a, a phone call to ask about Molly's former position there. And We see Lily get back to her apartment and she calls out Molly's name and she senses that the coast is clear. So she starts going through Molly's purse and her suitcase looking for anything to help her build her case. And she finds an envelope with wrinkled pen pal letters in it. And the words die is written on both of the letters she's holding. And there's also a photo of Molly as a child with X's over her eyes, Mm -hmm. which is like, like crazy person shit. Like who brings that on vacation with them? 
Did one of them say bitch? I think maybe like it was kind of hard to see. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was just like, oh, boy, like, why is that? Yeah. Why is that? What's in the, like the the, fo- the folder? I would have left that behind, you know. <laughs> so yes. Molly puts her uh, her suitcase back together and opens Mrs. B, Mrs. B's door downstairs and she sees her tied up with tape on her mouth and she frees her from it. And Mrs. B says it's her. It's Molly. She says that Molly and Matthew were fighting. She's so sorry he died. I like I want to cry thinking about this old lady internalizing that. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine being taped up for multiple days, like thinking that you could have prevented a death? I can't. I know like oh and she was like I heard them I'm so sorry I was like oh man like she has dementia dog like she's like not doing great and then she puts her through this I could kill I could kill this bitch so um Mrs. B is telling her all of this and all of a sudden she like kind of like gasps and puts her hands up and Lily turns around to see Molly is coming straight at her head with some heavy glass and it breaks over like her head slash back area and Lily wakes up a little while later tied to a chair with her mouth taped shut and she tries to fight her way out but Molly bends down in front of her let's play 117 to 118.35 no screaming no screaming Good. I'm so glad you're awake. For a second there, I thought, hey, Jill, a little too hard. What the hell are you doing? Where's Mrs. B? I told you not to worry about it. None of this had to happen, Lily. She cut me loose. No can do, amigo. You see, I've had to come to terms with the fact that you and I aren't going to work out. This has been really, really hard for me. But I've come too far to let you screw it up now. This is what you do to everyone, isn't it? It's what you did to Matthew. This is Blankenship to me. Even to your own boyfriend, your own sister. There was never any boyfriend. <laughs> I made him up. But Molly. Molly. You get a gold star for figuring that one out. You see, Molly, she was the golden child. Just like you. Okay, so this is when I have to stand for Natalie Dreyfus because I think we're going to play the rest of her sort of monologue. But... I mean, this is great. This is a great way to deliver this monologue, this like mm-hmm. sort of breakdown, some great comedy moments. Um, I feel like now is the time we address the pupils. Yes, they are large and in charge. I don't get it. Like, because obviously, like, I don't think this actress is like fucked up. Like, I don't think that she's like, I don't think that if she was as fucked up as her pupils are insinuating that she would be capable of doing her job but like her pupils i thought she had dark 
brown eyes for most of this movie. And then I realized, oh, she has 99.9% pupils and then like a little ring of blue around them. Yeah. And leading up to this, I was like, do I just like at Natalie Dreyfus and say like, hey, girl, like, (laughs) do you have exceptionally large pupils? Like I talking about your movie on my podcast, but I couldn't figure out a way to like word it that wouldn't potentially be rude. And I will say all the lifetime people I've talked to are much cooler than I would think. But like that felt a little too far for me. Like I'm like, you can't just at a girl about her pupils. Well, I I went through her Instagram and yes, it does appear that she just has really, really large, large like cartoon character pupils. It looks like, like she got dilated at the eye doctor. Her eyes even have like that little fleck of like, you know, when like there's like a painting and like the artist puts that little white speck in the middle to like, oh, like she's anime. Yeah, she she has <laughs> she has legit anime eyes. Yeah, I mean, I think she's great. I checked out her IMDb and like she's working consistently. She was on Two Broke Girls after. I left like I think the season after I left, she had an episode where I think she might have been like the whoever the girls had to like go up against that week. But she's done a lot of stuff. She was on Will and Grace. She's like, I think, like sort of like a go to type girl. Like she's like the new she's the new version of whatever that sort of character actress is. And she's done a lot of stuff. She was on New Girl. She did. um She's had a lot of like series regular roles as well. So she's killing it. My eyes on her. She's not quite my new Juno Temple. There will never be a replacement, but she, I'm going to keep my eye on Natalie Dreyfus. I like her a lot. I'm fascinated by those pupils. If you're, if you're following along at home with your bingo card, uh, you can now mark Juno Temple. It's been a while, but we're back on the Juno train. Not that we ever got off it, but I wasn't super conscious about mentioning my girl for a while. Um, yeah, I, I think the way she delivers this scene is awesome. And like, was really, this is where I think another actress could have really fumbled this. And she just, I can, yeah, this is her audition scene for sure. She booked this off of this. I have to imagine. So when we come back on Molly explaining it all, um, they're, you know, just going through it. And Gordon is going to run into the building and up to Lily's apartment during this scene as well. 11839 to 120. You two never understood what it was like to be invisible. That would make you Beth, the jealous little sister. Never got enough attention. Jealous. No one ever gave me a chance to prove that I was so much better than her. I was just supposed to live in her shadow, let Molly shine. When I finally got my chance, I grabbed it. You took over her life. Right down to keeping up with the letters that she wrote to her pen pal. That doesn't make you special. It makes you fake. She left me no choice. Lily, are you there? Molly? What about Matthew? Couldn't make him look like an accident like you did your sister? Hey. Hey. I did that for you. 
He was gonna break your heart, and you couldn't accept it. Lily, listen, I need to talk to you about Molly. Give me a call as soon as you get this. I hope you're okay. So Gordon hears a little scuffle inside Mrs. B's apartment. And Beth tells her, you know, I did this for you, blah, 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 blah. There's a knock at the door and Lily starts to scream for help. Mm -hmm. Smart girl. And Beth slaps her across the face and tells her no screaming. She puts the tape back over her mouth and regretfully says, I really liked Gordon. So she answers the door and tells Gordon that she was just checking up on Mrs. B because Lily's gone and Lily's smart. She uses her feet to push over a chair and create this like loud crashing noise that gives Gordon the go ahead to push past Beth and get into the apartment. And he sees Lily. And before he can do anything, Molly comes up behind him and she stabs him. Um, screaming, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the choreography of this fight is a little bit like I don't I don't like to get into it because it's just like and then she grabs a knife and then she grabs. A knife. But like, listen, long story short, there's a lot of knife grabbing and it all ends with Lily grabbing a shard of glass on the floor and slitting Beth's throat so effectively <laughs> that she's dead instantly. Mm-hmm. And then Lily goes to find Mrs. Blankenship. She's on the floor of the bathroom. Oh, God, break my fucking heart. Um, Gordon watches them hug while he's just like holding his chest wound. Yeah, he's like, all right, it's nice that you guys are hugging, but I could be dying. So we should probably wrap this moment up. But it's like Gordon needs a daughter or something like he's yeah. so he's so attentive to Lily in a way that's really sweet. But it's like, Gordon, you're a good guy, dude. You like you have this paternal instinct. You should be a dad. Um, but some time has passed. Right. And Lily comes in to visit Mrs. B with a plate of cookies and they sit together and Lily tells her that she got a promotion at work. She's the senior designer. She says she wishes she could have told Matthew she misses him so much. And Mrs. B gives her a kiss on the hand and tells her to watch her show with her. It's a new one. She'll feel better. Oh, <laughs> I it's so sweet so um yeah lily is looking through her letters from molly back at her house and we hear a voiceover as we see lily takes a visit to molly's gravesite 12354 to 12434 this is his last monologue hi molly sorry it's taken me so long to come visit now that I'm here, I can see that this is a really nice spot. I hope that you're happy wherever you are. You always seem so happy when you wrote me. I'm sorry things ended this way. I really enjoyed having you as a friend. Now that I know where you are, I promise to come visit sometimes. She leaves a whole bunch of lilies and an envelope full of their writings over the years on top of her grave. And Mm -hmm. that's that. I mean, how do you think this plays out? Like, does she visit the Cumberlands when she's there? Does she just get like a motel near the airport and like drive in for the day to visit the grave? Like, how do you manage that? Like these people... I mean, Lily is effectively murdered, Beth. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what kind of conversation do you have? 
I always wonder that, like whenever they, you know, sort of intertwine families in these movies, I'm like, how would you even go about that? Like, hey, um, it's Lily, (laughs) the one who thought (laughs) Molly was staying with her for a long time. Um, The one who killed your daughter, Beth. I'm coming into town. Like, how does that go? Do they get a lunch? And like, I guess they didn't know that that their daughter killed their other daughter. So that's yeah. a whole conversation. Exactly. And like of, now, of course, there's no justice for Molly because the killer is dead. But maybe that's better for them. I just like, like, damn. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to be nice and visit the grave because that was my friend. But also, like, I killed your other daughter because she was trying to kill me first. But don't worry, she didn't like suffer anything. It was a pretty quick stab to the neck. Yeah, I, this is why, like, sometimes I'm OK with how, like, unnaturally I move on from things because I would be like, oh, you just we can't go back there. Like, we can never do that again. Like, we just have to, like, move forward as if that never happened. And <laughs> that's just is what it is. Um, I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to go back there and look at them. Um Let's go through a little bit of the IMDb um, character error in the beginning. Okay, so they did note the parent goof on IMDb. Oh, okay. And then there was a continuity thing. It says there's several continuity errors and inconsistencies in the two scenes in Lily's mother's kitchen. The same green bowl with buns in it was the same place next to the stove in both scenes, which took place at least five years apart. In the second scene, the cactus plant and flower plant on the windowsill changed positions a few times, and the cactus disappears altogether during the part when Molly is there to visit Lily. Also, when Lily's mom ladles soup from the pan into the bowl there's no steam rising from either one but when the camera angles changes and throughout the scene after that there's visible steam rising from the same pan on the stove i mean the cactus thing is unforgivable someone's <laughs> someone's fired uh-huh. the script supervisor's in trouble this movie has a high imdb rating for a lifetime movie 5.7 oh that's pretty high for a lifetime movie yeah um, let's see if there's any like real hate in the reviews. No, the reviews are like sixes and eights. They're honest. Um, I thought this movie was great. I really needed this after Party Mom because like I first of all, I, I like feel so bad that I put my friend through Party Mom, but I also felt really bad that I had to watch it. Um, and I'm glad <laughs> we got to do this one because it was really uh refreshing. I have hope for 2020 lifetime movies. Yeah, I do too. I I really I was surprised at how much I liked it and the pacing was like pretty decent for a lifetime movie. Um, yeah, the plot holes weren't like jarring. Like yeah. it was pretty good, I I thought. And also like again, current enough that you weren't like people don't do that. Yeah. Mhm. I really the scene with the guy outside of the coffee shop with millennials, like when he was yeah. like millennials are so selfish, like I was like you know, I kind of liked that kind of hit for me. I kind of really liked it. I kind of that might have been one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Really? Yeah, I don't know why, because there was just it was a statement piece. There was something about it that it really like displayed a lot of bad character behavior from Molly early on. But I also <laughs> liked that, like the guy was right. Like there are some younger millennials that are just fucking clueless about where their body is in a situation. Like that is such, that's like what we get 
shamed for as a generation altogether is like people who stand in open doorways and take photos. Like that's just absurd. True, true, true. Maybe I just like was like yelled at enough to be like (laughs) in line and aware of stuff like that. But I don't know. Um, This was a great episode. Lauren, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, Is there anything you want to plug right now? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Motel Siren. Same on Instagram. Uh, And I don't think that's it. Yeah, we'll link anything you want in the description if you think of anything after. You guys, this was a really fun episode. I really liked this movie. I recommend. It's a 10 out of 10 watch for me. I think it's on Lifetime Movie Club right now if you guys want to go find it. It should be anyway when we're done recording. Have a really good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.